When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Australian survivor is Survivor New Zealand. Survivor. 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 21 South Africans, 12 ordinary Australians. 16 New Zealanders. Give them the Swamai. 1 million pounds. Million euro. Million euro. Million euro. Million euro. Million euro. Million Hello everyone and welcome to RHAP's coverage of Survivor South Africa Return of the Outcast for Season 9 on RHAP. I am your host Shannon Gus. We're here talking about Survivor South Africa again. It is the most wonderful time of the year I've decided. It is my favorite franchise and we have a returnee season, the first ever returnee season of, of the entire franchise. And I'm doing my intro while being distracted by faces that the person I'm about to introduce is making. Excited faces. It's good. We should be excited. Please welcome my co-host, the post-merger to my pre-merger, the great Mike Blue. Mike, thank you for being here. More like return of the podcast, am I right? That was good. That was better. All right. Well, that's 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 going to be the next three months there, folks. This is what the podcasts are going to be. Me making stupid faces to bust Shannon up and then coming in with a stupid pun. Thank you. I'm happy to be the post-merger to your pre-merger. I do not think it is the case. I think if you put both of us on a Survivor season, you are by far making it farther. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) You make it slightly (laughs) further than I would. Unless we do it. You know what? Knowing our luck, it'd be a tied destinies thing. And it'd be like, I I get voted out and you get like taken with me through a twist and you end up like 
throw in an entire fit and they have to pull the trap door on you. And then, and then you go out happily because you were at least able to bring that into the survivor lexicon. I wouldn't want to go out any other way than, you know, just flailing about, uh, you know, <laughs> because you've been voted out. That would be better. And I couldn't do anything about it. That's what I want. That's our whole relationship is tied destinies. Absolutely. We can't, we can't escape it. I mean, listen, our, our friendship started with us covering Survivor South Africa. And so many years later, here we are. And we are going to be talking about the vast majority of people we have already spoken about, albeit in a different concept. Because like you said, it is Survivor Essays, tried and true, first returnee season. And it's wild. It's wild to think about. Obviously, we knew this was coming at some point. This just happens in like modern day Survivor, right? There's always the question of like, who would you want to see return? When is a returnee season coming? You never know because the series technically rebooted under friend of the podcast, the Rubota and, and Afrikaans uh, back in season six. But they felt like uh, the cast was stacked enough to produce a returnee season in season nine. And here we are. We are but, uh, what, a month and a half away from some new Survivor South Africa in our lives. I love Survivor South Africa. It's truly the super fans franchise. And it's like, we're just, we're just six weeks out. And we're starting the preseason. I love it. The preseason is literally going to be as long as the actual season, which is enjoyable for me because we do have exclusive pregame interviews on RHAP. The preseason last season where we had also a variation of that was like one of my favorite series that we ever did. So yeah, spending more time with the players. I've said it about Survivor South Africa before. The casting is so good. When the players start getting voted out, I get sad. So the more time we can spend where everyone's in the game and no one has gone home, I think that's great. So we have like the longest preseason ever to... Like, seriously, like, literally as much time in the preseason as the actual season. Like, that's definitely never happened before. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. Certainly, we have had long preseasons. The 42 preseason was actually pretty long as well. It was but like not as almost, long as the season. Not as long as the season. That is definitely for sure. My God. I mean, also, I mean, if you check certain sources, sometimes the preseason is as long as the season itself, maybe even longer. But counting specifically from the date of the cast being released. Yeah, we have six weeks ahead of us and we have a lot talk about the cast the structures of the season uh we know you know a little bit of stuff and we don't know a lot of stuff a lot of stuff will be revealed when the when the premiere happens in mid-july but i'm just really excited to be back shannon because it's been it's been so long for you and i uh we did a really fun little couple of experiments last year right where we like started the year talking about survivor south africa champions which thank goodness we did uh that was good that worked out thank you covid yeah, it's like doing our homework and like being able to act and then having those questions show up on the test. You feel validated in that way. That segued into us covering Survivor South Africa season eight. It's not like we've been strangers. You know, I've I've had the, the fortunate opportunity to like guest on your Australian Survivor podcast a couple of times. We've done some other stuff in the interim, but like it's been a while from a South Africa perspective. And so it's very fun to bring it back since, like you said, you know, I personally think this is the best produced Survivor franchise that's out there. It obviously has a we lot say of as love. Producers. Yeah, exactly. Production <laughs> consultants, okay. Yeah, let's, this is let's, the best like, production consultancy of any of the franchises by far. <laughs> listen, I'm not going to say it. I will also confirm uh, right at the top here as well that we were also brought in as production consultants for this season. Uh, and so listen, mm-hmm. all the kudos in the world. It's going to be doled out throughout this podcast and through the next six weeks and then the other six weeks past that. But like LaRue Bota, man, South Africa is so lucky to have a guy like him. Like you said, it's a show for the super fans and you can tell because it is run by a super fan to the point that like the structure the theme of the season that we're going to be talking about is something that has been like bandied about uh, as sort of like dream season themes 
for years upon years at this point amongst the Survivor fandom. And I don't think anyone realistically thought it might happen uh, just because of like some people, specifically like a Jeff Probst type that would be running something like US and saying, I don't know if we need to see like a whole tribe of pre-mergers. Rubota, you know, uh, makes your dreams come true in a manner of speaking. And he was able to make a theme that I personally never thought I'd see in my Survivor fan lifetime actually happen. I mean, I want to just sing LaRue's praises like a hundredfold. He is definitely like the super fan producer. He's making the season for super fans, clearly by super fans. Even some of those super fans are us sometimes. He cares so much about the direction of the show that he listens to everyone. I, I think I, I said this in a tweet when we were doing production consulting, he would talk about, he, he would hear all these people out. People like maybe this is an invitation to just do it. People reach out yeah. to him on Twitter. He hears him out. I'm like, LaRue, how are you hearing out all these random Twitter accounts about all the ideas they have for Survivor that they come to you with? He's like, well, it means so much to them. Like, you have to hear people out. It is incredible that someone would look at Survivor that way, at anything that way. Like, he truly cares about the fans. He cares about the feedback, but, like, be kind with, with the feedback. And, like, it kind of annoys when people, like, go straight to LaRue because they know that they have him. But, like, have someone who cares so much. Like, from also a person perspective, personally, uh, when I texted him a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, my grandfather's passed away. I'm going to be in South Africa tomorrow. I don't know why I'm telling you this because I'm going to be in Joburg. You're in Cape, Cape Town. That's a two-hour flight. Just letting you know. He upended his entire weekend on four days' notice. He flew for a day to hang out with me. He's such an incredible person. Like, we came back from that dinner, and my mom was like, I'm happy you're in his care. Like, I don't know how to explain it. He's Aww. just, like, such a beautiful soul. We were talking about a board game, a South African board game that I hadn't heard of. He's like, you'd love it. He came to breakfast at 9.30 the next morning. He had bought me the board game. When did he even find a store open to do that? He's like an Wild. angel on earth. I don't think you, this is the hands that Survivor South Africa is in. It is the hands of someone who clearly, truly cares about the contestants. Like when you watch those videos, when they go to Ponderosa or Jury Villa, what do they call it in South Africa? Which one is it? Jury Villa? I believe they call it Jury Villa in South Africa. Man, okay. No, I think they call it Ponderosa. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, there's like a weird Mandela effect for me on which one it is. But anyway... When they get to Ponderosa and they have the questions, like the first thing they ask is like, what was the experience like for you? Like, did it meet your expectations? Like they care that the contestants are having a good experience. That is not true. I think of the US, the US is like, I, I hope you do while I make my show. And Australia's like, I hope you don't. Um, yeah. I think personally, Australia's like, uh, who are you? I don't, I don't remember yeah. you anymore. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, if, you're, if you've just found this video randomly or this podcast, like, that's why Survivor South Africa is so good. And if you don't like a certain twist, he's actually hearing you. Like, he's not just doing things. He'll try things. He'll have fun with it. But he's hearing you. And he truly is an incredible person and showrunner. And we're all very lucky to have him as superfans. And we're so lucky to have South Africa because it is in the hands of him and Hundry, his husband, who are just, like, the dream team of South African television. So I wasn't expecting to go on that pro the rant. It's, it's to no one in particular. I don't think anyone's on the other side of this issue. He's amazing. But, like, I don't think people realize how amazing LaRue is. And we're very, very lucky to have him. So I think you do a great job in just like setting up, you know, what this is. Because like you said, it's been uh, a while. I know that Survivor South Africa did produce a season during the pandemic, but there might be people that are like wandering in after, you know, the highs of Survivor 42 and maybe the lows of Australian Survivor and being like, oh, okay, what is this? And so, yeah, let's, let's talk about this, uh, you know, in a sort of spoiler-free way initially, because, since this is a returnee season, we are going to get into the cast eventually, and that is going to spoil the bejesus out of several seasons of South African Survivor, given like the entire onus, the concept of this season overall. Probably is best to like start by discussing like 
the season itself and also talking about our coverage as well, because we're going to talk about the release schedule, which makes things a bit unique from all of our perspectives, both as uh, fans and as podcasters. And I think that that's going to lead into uh, a bit of a difference in coverage therein from our usual fare. Yes. Yes. So we're doing a bit of spoiler free right now. So again, if you haven't watched Survivor South Africa, you can stay around right now. We're going to give you information that's pertinent to you. And then we'll let you know when you should leave and start binging seasons. And we'll start talking about the cast. But firstly, let's talk about me and you, Mike. We podcast about Survivor South Africa on RHAP. Um, that's what you're listening to. That's what you're watching. I don't know. I just kind of feel I, I, don't, I don't see YouTube usually. I'm like, do people know what I am? So heard like, happily, you are listening to us talking about Survivor South Africa. Yes, that is what's currently in your ears or what you're watching. So we're probably not going to be on YouTube, but we're here now in case you found us um, because we're going to have just like a lot of content, like a lot of content to cover. Maybe like a bit much for the YouTube. I say as someone who has done a seven hour podcast on YouTube, but like that day was a lot. So. Find us at the International Survivor Hap Ups feed, wherever you get your podcasts or reality TV or Hap Ups. We will be talking a lot through the preseason and then the actual season and then I assume the postseason. So what we're going to have is preseason, we have exclusive pregame interviews when they were in Sequesta before we've done it where um, the producers asked a question and we like double voices in after. We have not done that. I think LaRue got tired of me roasting him in the edit <laughs> when I would come in and do my version wow. of his question. RIP and, undercover blonde question. Yeah. So we got to just ask our own questions. We have those interviews. We'll probably do a little bit more. We'll see what other coverage we have over six weeks. This is the kickoff special, by the way. I don't think I said that. This is the kickoff special. That's the point. Then through the season, it's going to be a six week season. Um, I don't know if this information is anywhere else, but we're allowed to say six weeks so 24 episodes, four episodes a week, Monday to Thursday night in South Africa. So what we're going to do, we're going to watch those episodes. We're going to get together hopefully shortly after the last one and do just like a mega recap on all of that. Just me and Mike. We're not going to do guests because it's already a lot. Um, we, we might try to do player check-ins here and there. We're going to have to see kind of how the season is going, but I'll plan is to do a X interviews we'll probably have a mega X interview part at the end of the week as well and then we're going to have the mega recap part everything is mega this season nothing is nothing is not mega the preseason's mega everything's mega um, and then afterwards we are going to do some deep dives so that's what it's going to be it's going to be Monday to Thursday I know it sounds like a lot but we can also I think exclusively reveal the episode will be maximum 46 minutes so mm-hmm. kind of back to that US Survivor time and they've been longer in the past. And that means that actually, if you, if you calculate it all up, it's actually not that much longer of than like a regular Australian Survivor Week. And I'm literally not joking. Mathematically, that is true. Yeah. So yeah, follow us for the ride. I know it's a lot. I know it's mega, but we're, we're doing it. We're, we're going to be all in. So that being said, I mean, let's sort of drill down now that we've given the overview. And I think the biggest takeaway from a lot of stuff that has been announced in this preseason besides the cast is that release schedule because it is very different for South Africa, especially Uh, again, like since Africans took over in particular, they really set to the one episode a week. And like you said, it's really verged on like the 50 minute to an hour, which I think is probably the perfect happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect happy medium though, for Mm -hmm. especially South African survivor where maybe unlike Australian survivor, which has longer episodes, they don't necessarily fill it with uh, the most cogent, interesting content. I would say. And so it's it's a lot. It's 24 episodes. It's the length of a regular Australian Survivor season. 
But I would say probably, I don't know, more importantly, or something that is more pertinent to us that are watching in the moment, four episodes a week. Let me put out a blanket statement that I think is going to apply to a lot of what we are going to discuss today. Uh, There are decisions that the production company who runs the show makes. There are decisions that the network who runs the show makes. Uh, And I think it is safe to say that the four days a week structure was instituted by the network. I know that obviously, like you said, Australian does that a lot with reality TV. I believe MasterChef South Africa might also do this as well with like doing multiple episodes in a Mm. row. Look, is it ideal? No. But to me, if there's like a binary decision of check out four episodes a week for six weeks or don't have Survivor South Africa on the air, I think I'd rather go with the former personally. Yeah, so there's been a lot of questions about it because people didn't know how many episodes. I mean, it's, seasons aren't usually this long for Survivor South Africa. We've had 18 episodes, we've had 16 episodes, but this is going to be 24 episodes, so there are 20 players. The math's not mathing. So there won't be non-alims. Again, I think this is exclusive intel, but there won't be non-alims as Australian Survivor would have it. Yes. Like, I don't think anyone's going to Tribal Council and being like, you're out, jokes, you're not. Um, I think no, it's going to be not, a little And, and Nico, Panaggio, yeah. Nico Panaggio is never going to say tonight things are going to be a little different. I think we can, we we can don't provide that. that intel. Maybe he will say. I don't, I don't think that we can promise that. Like, we weren't on set. Um, okay, if, if Nico says that things are going to be a little different, Mike will pay you all $5 now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think they're trying to extend it out over kind of seeing like each week as its own thing. Like maybe sometimes we kind of end it like a twist or a decision or like some sort of structural mechanism vibe that leads to the next episode without it being, you know, I think Australian Survivor always has to go to Tribal Council and they think that that's like the big thing. Australian Survivor is very scared that people will turn the show off um, and they think the Tribal Council has to be like the pinnacle thing and maybe even to have a vote when there is no vote to be had. So I think that's going to be a big difference. Yeah, the timing's going to be a difference. So it'll yeah. be interesting because yeah, they've never done it like this. Yeah, and I would also say that, yeah, to that point, I would say if you watched Survivor South Africa Champions, or if you watched the first season of Australian Survivor, the 2016 season, that's probably the most comparable it's going to be in terms of multi-part episodes, where it might be like a two-part premiere episode, a two-part swap episode, a two-part merge episode. So think of it more so as like an extended episode broken out into multiple parts, sort of like what happened with the 41 merge and the 42 merge that kind of got squashed into a a two hour period, just stretch across a couple of episodes. So, yeah, I would say it's understandable how people would look at 24 episodes and be like, oh, okay, now we're going to throw in all these twists like Australian Survivor did to fill out the runtime. Yes, they are doing 24 episodes, but I think LaRue has been very dead set on not bringing those elements in on trying to make the game as you know simple as possible when it comes to that structure at least that's another thing as well obviously as production consultants you know we talk LaRue through the season preseason we don't know how anything plays out on the island I don't but I remember know some... anything we talked about also uh, yeah, yeah that's the fun as well yeah. you get to discover it again one thing I do yeah. remember though putting forward is like with all respect to the U.S. I remember telling LaRue do not winners at war this this is a returnee season, oh, I love that season. you bring people back <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the season as well, but I think even you can admit that there were certain new things that they felt they had to bring in to complicate the game when you had an already incredible cast right there and you didn't necessarily need to, you know, complicate a very simple formula. And I know that's something that I put forward. I, there are certainly going to be things that will get added in, but I will say, by and large, uh, I, I think that we're not necessarily going to look at, like, 
the twistiest season ever because there are returnees. I know that, again, Australian Survivor and U.S. kind of both went in that direction with their all-star seasons. I don't think South Africa is going in that direction. And that includes any like non-elimination twists. I know I was going to say that I do remember slightly more from production than I did last season for some reason. I guess that's a good thing. Well, like last time I was like, I'm glad I don't remember things, but I'm kind of concerned for myself. So well, I last season there more. was a lot of like, okay, we're going yeah. to Island uh, immunity Island. What's the game? What's the prize? What's the disadvantage? Yeah. So there, there are certainly things, but I would say it's a little bit less of, you know, gosh upon like reach into it and grab a random prize every time type of thing each and every episode. Well, that's what I was going to say is that the theme is obviously cast based because it's Return of the Outcast. It's not island based, like the actual theme. So I feel like a lot of the time we did get a little snookered into Island of Secrets or Immunity Island where it had to be like this thing, even though sometimes that thing in like Island of Secrets was kind of like passive or nothing. But I feel like the theming is going to be quite like very fun. I think really fun. Like I came out of this being like, I feel great about the product. That's what I remember. I was like, I don't remember the, the, the details, but I felt good about it. Um, I think it's pretty inventive. Like I know there was like little things because again, like the Rue was hearing out randoms on twitter so that's pretty much like you know not that he's, he's going with all those ideas but like he's heard your ideas he's heard his own ideas he's heard our ideas we put it together in a way that i think is pretty entertaining or that's what i remember thinking at the time that it's like yeah quite inventive without being too cramped like a little clean um and just i, I hope there's like daylight for the players because that's how i remember it in my mind thinking like all right there's like this space here for them to play but there's also like fun wrinkles which is what ideally you want and hopefully the season makes good on that but yeah the, the theming is pre-merge versus post-merge so yes this cast list is a giant spoiler you know they didn't win you know they didn't even make the final day because that's not the thing it's it's reignited right like their torch got extinguished and now uh, they're back now you're you're putting yeah. forward my suggestion for the yeah my final time to call it reignited which honestly would have I mean, been amazing but not like as clear from a tv perspective but yeah, i would have loved it, it yeah it was there for a hot second uh it was going to be survivor essay reignited like colon return of the outcast but it was that's not a, to, it was not to, to play. So I'm glad that it yeah. lives at least. It's reunited in the course of this podcast. But that's the thing as well. And we're not going to get into the cast yet. But I know that obviously there are some, you know, grumbly grumbersons out on social media who will look at the cast and be like, uh, why did me. they do this? Yeah. Why did they do that? Specifically <laughs> yeah. the pre-merge versus post-merger stuff. I would say with no offense to like any particular person in the cast, I think if you look at this more as second chances and less like all-stars, that helps contextualize things for you a little better. Where Second Chance the season had a healthy dose of pre-mergers as well. That it's less so about like, here are the quote-unquote stars of Survivor South Africa facing off against each other. When it's really more so this idea of, to your point, they weren't able to, you know, win the million rand. They weren't able, even able to plead their case at the final tribal council. Now they get a second chance. Let's see what happens. And I love that. Second Chances is, I think, a fantastic theme because it really just brings in a natural narrative aspect of like, who are you? What did you do wrong last time? How are you going to try to fix that? Uh, that I think is just so inherent to a returnee season anyway that it feels appropriate. Like I said before, pre-merge versus post-merge is a theme that only some of us Survivor fans could dream of. And it also goes to show like the, you know, the quality of Survivor South Africa cast in general that they were able to get a dose of pre-merge contestants where it does feel like to a certain extent uh, of, of either being like hmm, that's interesting to see them back versus like oh my god I'm so excited you got them back to fill a cast of pre-mergers out like that in particular I think is a really fun choice yeah I mean the Survivor South Africa cast is so good that you could kind of do battle of the seasons and do one season versus the other and we kind of are doing that because it's only from 
five seasons, but like mostly from four. But that's how good the casting has been, truly, I believe, in the last two seasons. But I want to say, as a, what did you say? Grumpy Grumperson? Grumble Grump, Grumperson? That's me. Yeah, that's a- like, right? Like, I complain about Survivor. It, it's my job. I'm fortunate to be paid to, to complain about Survivor. I think, I don't know, maybe I don't have to complain as much. But I'm definitely someone who has been harsh on returning cast because returning cast are this delicate balance of, you know, threats getting taken out usually. Mm-hmm. If there's like any imbalance that can really dictate the show. And I do believe that should be true. I do think for a season like this, where they're all one timers, they're all losers. <laughs> Sorry, how many times would we call them losers? They're not they're not winners. <laughs> they're non-winners. And I think that, that even though that losing might be like a vast spectrum, some people lost hard and some people just lost. Um, I think that that maintains it a little better, like like second chance stuff. Even like winners of war, like I know some people saw disparity in that cast because there's difference in winners, but like at least they were all winners. There's like that connecting factor compared to something like game changes or even like Australians where all stars or even the original all stars where it's like you won, you didn't. Like let's categorize you in a way that's not just pre versus post merge, which is the way they actually categorize, but like let's ourselves categorize you and let that define the gameplay. But anyway, as someone who has complained about casts, I do want to say like being on the other side of the casting couch on the casting couch has been an interesting one for me and like hearing the names coming out because it's really changed the way that I've seen all star casts be created it's changed the way I'll talk about in the future because you see you know if people say no or like some constrictions that you have around like even like theming off with the network or anything like that like you, you start to get a little bit boxed in and you see how casts change in front of your eyes I'm not saying that this is a bad cast I think that there are picks with a lot of potential. I see some people complaining about some kicks and I'm like, oh, I love that interview. Like, give them a chance. Maybe that's not true of everyone, but I do believe that it's true of many people. I will say for LaRue, this is what I've been thinking. LaRue agrees with you, all the fans, on everything you think. Like, if you disagree with him, or if you disagree with the casting, like, LaRue agrees. Like, LaRue, again, constrained by, you know, networks and people saying yes. But I think the difference with LaRue is LaRue sees the potential in people, maybe more than the fans. You're like, that's the big difference for me. So like, while he might like broadly agree with the fan base, I think there are some people that he sees the potential in, people who maybe didn't make it very far, who didn't have a chance, but he saw something of them out there or in casting or in, in recasting that maybe the fans don't see. So we hear your qualms, basically, and he definitely hears them and, and he's not necessarily against them. But I think there's a lot of people, again, maybe not everyone, but pretty much almost everyone for me, I think either is a good pick or has more potential than maybe you realize and maybe I realize. And I, like they won me over in the, in the interview, for example. So we'll talk us through a lot of that. But basically to say, we hear you. I agree with some, but I think we should all give some of the players a chance, especially people who didn't, you know, who, may, who maybe have changed a bit since then, who've gone through some stuff and also people who maybe didn't make it as far. So we'll see how they do. So I just I'm- wanted to kind of give that as a blanket statement. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're going to have an entire cast of people that like didn't even make it to the halfway point of their season. So talk about like missed potential or maybe not seeing enough of them. I completely co-sign everything that you said. Listen, I I am a realistic person to a certain extent. I can't like call a moratorium on the where is blank comments or I can't believe they cast blank comments. But to your point, I think when you are, are drafting those, just keep in mind, A, the person you might have brought up there might have said no. Uh, and that they were offered it. And for some reason, uh, again, this was also filmed in the midst of the pandemic uh, or personal matters going on, might not have agreed to do it. Uh, Maybe there were production reasons why that person was not asked or brought on, or maybe there were network reasons as well. Again, something that people might not know about the casting process uh, with any of these reality shows is that 
the production people assemble a group, a cast, a prospective cast, and then it is sort of like okayed by the network as well due to like whatever circumstances they might have on board as well. So it's a, a little bit of like a multi-pronged process. It's not just someone, it's not LaRue sitting at a dartboard and being like, boom, okay, you're coming on to the <laughs> season. And so to Shannon's point, I do hope that people keep that in mind when it comes to casting this and specifically when it comes to like regarding these people uh, because the fact of the matter is we're going to be talking about them. I know that they are certainly going to have their ears to the ground when it comes to social media. And, you know, for a lot of these people, it's a really exciting opportunity to like get a second chance, uh, especially after, you know, getting voted out, having that million rand dream crushed to get the opportunity to do it again is really exciting. I don't know how much they would love to see someone online being like, oh, I can't believe this person's on there. I really dislike them. Uh, to Shannon's point, there, there's a reason why I think each person is on here, whether it's something they did on screen, whether it's sort of potential that they might have not discovered, or it might have been just like how much they have changed or what they have gone through between their season and now to the point where it almost seems like they're coming back and playing as a different person. And that shakes up the season really nicely. So again, I totally understand, uh, you know, any comments that might be out there about like, where is this person? Where is that person? I certainly was there as well uh, when the cast was initially revealed to me. But look, I want to I want to preach a little bit of kindness and empathy when it comes to both the, the, the castaways this season, as well as to the people that were, you know, tirelessly working behind the scenes before the season to try to assemble some sort of a cast for this season. Yeah, I mean, I could think of the reason every single person was brought back. And I probably agree with like 90% of those reasons. And anyone who's not in the 90% can prove me wrong. But there definitely were, were, you know, reasons for everything. So this is what we're saying. And if you're here, you know, almost half an hour into this podcast, and you're like, I'm just here to find out what seasons I need to binge. Probably should have put that up the top of the podcast, but we didn't. No, so, we're going we're gonna to bury. We want you to listen to our voices. Yeah. Talk yeah. about Survivor South Africa for half an hour. Because, yeah, I would say, Shannon... This is probably like the most F of the AQs that we have received over the past like week, right? Since it was announced that, oh, the trailer's coming out on June 5th, along with the cast, we have received a lot of questions as to, okay, I've watched, I haven't watched all the seasons or like, I want to catch up. Which seasons do you feel I need to watch? I should I prioritize before Survivor South Africa return to the outcast? Like we said, it's a long preseason, so you have the time. And now that the cast is officially out, we can officially give you the viewing guide for Survivor South Africa. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch -ch 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Yes. So there's one person from season four. So maybe, maybe don't watch season four. Um, make that, make that the last one of these five on your list. So there's five people from season five. That's what we're saying. Lucky we covered season five during COVID because mm-hmm. that was before we started podcasting. That was, that was a really long time ago. That was in 2013. Mike and I did not know each other in any way. So anyway, super lucky we went back to that and we had the time. Um, five from season six and then five from season seven and four from the previous season, season eight. So I would say, I always say start with season six. It's one of my absolute favorite seasons that exists in Global Survivor. It is the reason Mike and I are friends. It was a moment in time. Uh, I can't explain just like being part of it. It's such a wacky season. It's got five big players coming back. Well, pretty much. Anyway, I don't want to spoil because this is a non-spoiler section, but it's got a lot going on and it's super fun. So just start there. And then also, if you've never watched Survivor South Africa, if you like that, you'll like, you'll keep going. So it's a good place to start. Then I think you maybe want to start season eight um at least the pre-merge of season eight there's a lot of people coming back from the pre-merge of season eight which is a really really good season as well but there's only four people from that so if you want to like hit more people um you can go to season five which is a time investment um Mm -hmm. and it you know there's some clunky bits because it's it's from a while ago it's before the reboot but we really love season five we really love covering it so i would go there and then you can go season seven which is also a solid season a bit of a darker season there's five people from that as well and then season four last so definitely start season six and maybe take your pick between older school season with five people for season five newer school but maybe my least favorite of five seven and eight for season seven or season eight which is my favorite of those three but only has four people so you take your pick and then season four last and do that in some kind of order yeah and then so that's the frequently asked question that's 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 how i would go about it basically yeah and suffice it to say uh well i would have said if this was the beginning of 2022, I'd be like, well, some of them are on uh, Paramount Plus. So that's great. You can check them out. That is no longer the case, unfortunately. That was a brief, fun flash in the pan, was it not? That U.S. fans had easy access to international seasons. My heart is broken, but they are available uh, in sources online. I know that is six through eight are available on 10 Play, Shannon. Yeah, I was going to say, if you live in Australia, six through eight are on 10 Play. If you or don't... if you live in Australia. <laughs> Yeah, go to my dance. I don't even yeah. know anymore. Like, I don't even know how people are watching it anymore. <laughs> um, but you, you, it is out there. Um, how? I don't know. Um, but no, I, if, if you if you DM me, hopefully we can find a way together. Um, yeah. You know, the, the interwebs are good. Reddit, maybe? But that, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot out there. I know when we were watching season five, it was on YouTube. I don't know if that's the I don't case think it's anymore. not anymore. No, I don't think yeah, so. But, but, there, but there are ways to figure it out. So yeah, you'll be, you'll be able to find it. I think also if you're a patron of Rob Has a Podcast, I know there are at least mm. some Survivor South Africa. There might be some links that are out there. Yeah, I feel like everyone was like, look, there's a returning Survivor South Africa season coming. Let's just clear, let's just clear the internet of this con. Let's make it harder than ever. It is possible though. But yeah, it is, it is at this time, I think probably harder to watch these seasons than it's been recently. Uh, You know, because, because, because the juice is worth the squeeze, because the effort should be made because it's worth it. That's all Mm -hmm. I have. I'm sorry that it's so hard. I don't know why Paramount Plus did that. That's insane that they did that. Why? To not this only day, that, but why? They, yeah, but not only that, that they like didn't really give a reason, right? They just said like streaming rights. When again, I thought it was done and dusted. It had been around for like a month, and they're like, ah, uh, never mind. So you know, I'd love to get an oral history, be the most 
odd niche oral history ever, but like to find out what happened behind the scenes to make them pull it after only a month in circulation. But you can check I think that out. An intern just like pressed delete and they just never recovered it. Or oh, that's interesting. It's like that fabled story of Toy Story Two, right, where they like accidentally deleted all the footage, and there was like this one woman who was on maternity leave that happened to have the raw footage on file, and she saved the movie. Uh, but we, we have the footage for this. Like we can, they can get it back. Like it exists could. on template right now. Like we can, we can watch it. Yeah. So check that out if you want to. I mean, listen, if you even have the wherewithal. Shin and I have reams upon reams of podcast coverage uh, going on there as well, including interviews with some of the people that we're going to talk about today. Can't get enough of our voices before listening to us uh, for another six weeks after the six week preseason period. You can check that out. But yeah, suffice it to say, we're going to start getting into the cast because the sort of regulations of the season were people who did not make the final tribal council. In revealing the cast, we are going to spoil those seasons as well as these the events of the seasons. If you do not want to know the events of seasons five, six, seven, eight, and four to a certain extent of Survivor South Africa, now is the time for you to leave. Uh, and I guess we can sort of binge. like binge away, binge away, binge, binge my fans. Yeah, exactly. Like, go the, binge. The flying monkeys take to yeah. the air to to the dark web to go uh, binge. So we should mention, though, at the top before people hop out, when it comes to our preseason interviews. Oh, no. Well, come back. Uh, (laughs) I think we're going to do Fridays, I think, is the plan right now. Uh, So we're going to do five interviews at a time. Uh, We're going to start with the pre-merge women on on June 10th. Uh, We're just going to do it on the Friday after this is coming out. Then we're going to do the pre-merge men on June 17th, uh, the post-merge women on June 24th, and then the post-merge men on July 1st. And those are going to be long podcasts where if you haven't checked these out before, whether between Shannon and I, or like it's similar to what Rob and I did for the 41 and 42 preseason, we'll listen to the interviews. We'll stop down on occasion, talk about their answers, talk about their chances. Yeah, this is, this is, that's the opportunity for us to like really break down when we think our chances are. Today's going to be a little bit more of a broad overview as to like, who are they? What are they known for? Uh, but that's going to be a really big drill down into each of the cast members. Maybe we'll do a couple of other things because that does leave us with a few weeks before the season proper starts. But before people head out to go binge, that's what our schedule is like. You can check out a cast interview on each Friday for the next month here on RHAP. Yeah, if you if you don't want to binge and you want to get to know the cast another way, that would make me kind of sad because you're going to miss a lot of great content. But there is a way to discover the cast. We do have interviews and Wikipedia, I guess. Um, if you just want to jump into season nine, but I'm excited about it. Okay, binge, binge, my fans, leave, go. Oh my god, you have so little time. Like, go, like, you no, go, go, go. Watch five seasons or at least four seasons. Go do it now. Do it right now. Go. Yes. Listen. Once okay. Survivor season just in, let me ask you, like, get your temperature check on this. By the way, to prolong our cast reveal further, because <laughs> again, like you especially have been fully immersed in Survivor pretty much since the beginning of 2022, right? Because um because Blood versus Water started in February. You had 42 running concurrent to that. 42 just ended last week at the time you are recording this. How are you feeling right now? Is like the the spirit of Survivor South Africa reinvigorating that for you? Do you feel like I kind of need a, a little bit of a hiatus from Survivor and the six-week period is the time to do so? Mm, a hiatus from Survivor, that's an interesting thought. I feel like I would just like wither and die. No, um, I'm excited to have the preseason, like a long preseason because I loved our last preseason so much. 
And that's a fun time. Like that's very different to like watching and analyzing the show every week. Like I know it's going to be a lot. So I'm like preparing myself for it and I get my life done in the preseason that we have, not just the preseason. So I feel good about it. Like coming off 42, that was really fun. I'm very, very excited for this season. Yeah, I am. What, what about you? You know, you you are always doing everything. But so South yeah. Africa is special. That's the thing is that Survivor South Africa feels special to us. It feels like a special occasion just because like, not only that's so special and so heartfelt to the two of us, but obviously like we are fortunate to have our own sort of pseudo involvement uh, in, you know, the pre-planning of the series as well as the preseason. Yeah, I think in this case, as kind of ridiculous it is to have a month and a half preseason, it is a nice, like, slow on-ramp to this highway that's going to really jack up the speed limit for the next little bit of time, where, again, it is going to be fast and furious. It is going to be six weeks of four episodes each. It's going to be a lot. But at the same time, I'm excited to use this to kind of, like, ramp down from Survivor US, which is kind of intense in its own way and then be able to still kind of keep those Survivor engines warmed up by talking about this. And it does feel a little bit different, right? We're talking about new players. Now we're talking about returning players, which feels like two distinctly different environments. I am excited, but to your point, I am a bit excited for like being able to sit in like one Survivor podcast a week, you know, and no episodes to watch necessarily, just some interviews to, to listen to and gab with you so that when July comes around, I'll feel properly prepared and like ready to go and run another race here. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited that we do it together. Like, that's what's so fun. Like, that's really different for me, which is super different from Australia and global for the US. So, I mean, yeah, we, we literally are friends because of Survivor South Africa. Although I feel like we, we might have found our way to each other eventually somehow. I mean, we, we, yeah, well, I mean, we, I, we, we, we did do when you first started back in during Survivor New Zealand Thailand, which was like uh, the summer of 2017, I think it was. 2018. A, was it 2018? Yeah. So it might have been like right before South Africa. It was right so before. Like, it was April. So that South yeah, Africa so like, started in May. Yeah. Yeah. So like talk about like. B&B, and then we did this. Yeah. So like talk about a ramp up, right? <laughs> like yeah. that was a much quicker path, a much steeper slope, whereas like maybe it would have been more gradual. But it just feels like a special time of year to be talking about Survivor South Africa. It also feels like both good and bad. This probably feels the most niche of the currently running franchises, right? I feel like Australian Survivor is now become a big thing, especially since they've been starting to bring in people like Sandra, right, which drew a lot of American eyes to the show. I feel like it's been getting a lot more press. And South Africa certainly has gotten some stuff, but I still kind of feel like out of, from a popularity perspective and a word of mouth perspective, it is number three. So it feels nice. It kind of feels like we're Survivor hipsters in a little way, right? Like, oh, but you don't watch Survivor South Africa? That's where the real Survivor's happening. Uh, especially as maybe Australia and US have been trying some things as of late that make you kind of question like okay what is survivor nowadays i really do recommend to sort of loop it back around to people that have not checked out the franchise before if you are sort of missing that true blue meat and potatoes kind of survivor i think it can be found in survivor south africa most of all these days yeah i mean you said it ironically but like you're not watching survivor south africa that's where the real survivor is happening it's probably something i've actually said so you're making us sound like we're like douchey hipsters and like maybe we are maybe we are but i think you know yeah there's a lot of fun to be had with survivor south africa and i do think it gets bigger and bigger it's definitely the most niche of the three because australian survivors like really reaching across the aisle and maybe just seems a little bit more mainstream but south africa gets bigger and bigger and yet like still in my heart like it's just like ours it's just like our quiet community just enjoying it and all the people who just went to binge hopefully um, so I think it gets bigger and bigger, but I still think it, and I hope it gets even bigger. I hope, I hope it's not just ours anymore. I hope it's everyone's because yeah. it should be because it's amazing. 
So in terms of our coverage, also just, okay, we are going to get to the cast very quickly, 40 minutes into this podcast. I want to say we're going to be doing four episodes a week. So three, two, one, chizzy format does not work. Even Out though the window. The shirt, we can't reprint these shirts. So we can't give just three points max. Like you could, you could do a whole vote completely your own and not get any points if there's four votes in a week. So we're going to do five, four, three, two, one. We're going to be giving a lot of points. We're going to need, we're going to need a whole separate chizzy podcast but it's just to give all chizzy points. We should do that. We should just like segregate things. No, wow, we're doing yeah. it on one mega podcast, including five, four, three, two, one chizzy points. So prospectively, like there's a cast of 20 people. We half the cast could get chizzy points in the first week. Yeah. Which is, which is good. You know, they, yeah. they, if it was that diverse and everyone's playing hard, like I'm excited about it. So I agree. And, and, and listen again, not to like disparage other franchises, but I do feel like these four episodes of South Africa survivor, I think will be a little more like, compact and probably have a lot more to them than Australian Survivor episodes. Well, we've really been just absolutely going in on Australian Survivor in this podcast. I mean, listen, there's a lot of good things about Australian Survivor. I would say the storytelling is not necessarily one of them. Uh, And so I I do think that it also necessitates maybe widening out the Chizzy scope because it's going to be four... I mean, think about, like, if you watched four US episodes back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you probably wouldn't be able to do a 3 to one just because so much happens in a three-day period. So I think it, it is necessary. I'm excited to shake up the formula a little bit as I usually do with these chizzy points. And so I'm excited. We get to, to you know, the baby's grown up. Your baby, Shannon, has sort of like uh, gone through a little bit of puberty temporarily and looks a, a, a tad different for this season. Yeah, I mean, people are going to get robbed. Even with the 5 4 3 two, one, there's so much going on. Also, it should be said, the only franchise that's still doing 39 days. Are you not watching Survivor mm. South Africa? That's where the real Survivor is happening. See, I'm doing it. Like, that's how it feels. It feels real to me. Like, genuinely, that's how I feel. I also wanted to say in terms of our coverage, I have had my Winnipeg's narrowed down to two people since before we even did the interviews. And the interviews, even just doing half the interviews, I got it down to one person. Ironically, both of my choices were not people I interviewed. I will say that. So that's already Ooh. hugely nar- narrowing it down. And we were saying before the podcast, what will my random Winnipeg generator be this season? I don't know. We had, did, have you come up with something in the last 40 minutes, Mike? Like, what are we... No. I mean, listen, I think we have four weeks to do so. I think after we sort of listen to the interviews, maybe I'll go regular degular and, and maybe... Regular? Pick, maybe, that's absurd. Maybe I'll co- I'm, okay, well, listen. <laughs> I'm going to quote you No, wait, that. that's it. That's that's what we're going to put on your tombstone. Mike Bloom, regular? That's absurd. Yeah, I think that's a good... Uh, I mean, listen, there could be a lot of other things on my epitaph, so that probably is like the tamest thing to put. I love on that there. one. Go with that. Yes. So I think by the end, uh, well, like I said, we might do some some like wrap up podcast in the lead up to the season, and I think we that'd be a nice fun way to reveal our winner picks. We'll see. If you have ideas, listen, y'all know I love bits. Uh, feel free to do it at Shannon Gus uh, at a Mike Bloom type on social media. Let us know your at thoughts. Gates. It's, it's, it's on Gates? my screen. Oh on my god, well, Shannon! This is where I reveal I don't know how to read. <laughs> I've been lying my whole life. Oh Isn't there, there's like a long-term meme of that with some celebrity and now Leah, oh, Leah it's, Michelle. it's Leah Michelle. Yeah. I went deep in that rabbit hole a few weeks ago and yet I still couldn't remember it was her. That's like a whole thing. The internet's been talking about that for ages. Well, yeah, it's anyway, one of those things right, with the internet where it like starts with a, a joke, right? And then it's like, no, but actually, if you look at this, like she has someone do her, uh, read her lines for her. And it's just like, everyone's in on the joke. But if you, if you look at it from like a different perspective, you legitimately think it's a real conspiracy theory. But yeah, I am the Leah Michelle of RHAP. <laughs> uh, I do, I do have the nose for it. Uh, and I do often close my eyes when I sing. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I am hanging out with Mr. Shu every week. Maybe I shouldn't in lieu of recent events. So, Oh my gosh, I don't know what happened with that. But here lies Mike Bloom, regular That's Absurd, the Leah Michelle of RHAP. We did it. We did it, Joe. There we, we go. All right, I can, I yeah. can die happy now. Also, coming up with each other's tombstone is like old school Survive South Africa podcasting. I think we were doing that a lot in like season seven. I don't, I don't well, even know Well, season, season seven, right, there was the whole meme where they took uh, Letitia on rewards because they're like, I don't know how much longer she has. Yeah, I think we were talking about tombstones before that. I don't remember what my, my one was. Okay, through this podcast series, we'll find my tombstone because I don't know why I have that on my mind. But Let's anyway. Let's talk about the damn cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have more. No, I don't. That's it. I want to say Lotto Star, new sponsor. Who knows? Okay, anyway. They haven't tweeted about it, I checked. I'm going to follow them. All right. Yeah, that's the thing. We also love sponsors here on Survivor South Africa. There's a segment everyone, dedicated everyone to Everyone who DJ. doesn't know is left, hopefully. That's true. If you don't um, know that we is... don't, if you don't know the we love the sponsors, you don't know enough about Survivor South Africa to be here. We are about to hella spoil you. Like, leave. We couldn't have made it clearer. Go binge. Come go back home. Later. It's we over. All right. No all right. Ready? Anymore. Here we go. It's all good. I'm. I'm yeah. gonna because we have a nice little handy dandy PowerPoint. I have a deck prepared Ooh, uh, to do some work parlance. So this is gonna spoil the cast. So again, last chance to bail out of this boat no not last chance you should have left so long ago like what are you doing here still? i'm just that providing multiple exit ramps maybe, maybe they want to listen to the banter maybe they heard that i mentioned leah michelle meme and they're like oh yeah i want to check out what their thoughts are on that no but you know some people listen to podcasts when they fall asleep which is wild to me because i would be like where was i up to but if you're asleep wake up turn it off you're about to spoil yourself go wake up wake up <laughs> i don't know what you can do you think that they're hearing me in their dream that's the thing is like it could have been a version of you being like no wake up and then they're really ticked that you woke them up at like four in the morning just because you urged them to do so subconsciously so that's oh, on you yeah. shannon unfortunately woke them up from a dream of leah michelle that we had also incepted into their brain and they're like is leah michelle on the survive south africa cast that is actually a really funny story about someone who was on this cast who i found out got voted out what i thought was in a dream but actually was on twitter while i was half asleep anyway let's do the cast <laughs> woke up in the morning and i was like it's a dream but it yeah, wasn't a so dream. it happened. Yeah. Here is the cast of Survivor South Africa. For those that are watching the YouTube version, uh, we have a, a presentation provided where we're going to go through each of the cast members. Again, this is going to be much more of just like a general overview of each of the cast members. If you want more details, including like how they played last time, the interviews, what their thoughts are coming into this season, check out the interviews that we're going to be putting out over the next four weeks. But this is just like a nice, again, uh, FAQ of who is in the mm. cast of Survivor South Africa Return of the Outcast. Yes. All right. And I'm excited. Uh, I mean, look at the cast photo. So exciting. Good stuff. Well, let's start with the pre merge tribe here, the Yontau tribe. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, I believe the tribe names are after the words for fire and water, which is great. Uh, I don't know if Nika will call them red and blue or if he'll actually stick to the names, even. but I'm glad they actually have names. Wow, we can't, let's not talk anymore about Australian Survivor, part of a network that also employs me, <laughs> just coming on and being like, let's compare, no, we shouldn't compare our children. Is, is Australian Survivor the rebellious child? Yes. The Survivor South Africa gets straight A's? It does. I guess if I were to compare them to the four children on Pesach, then, on Passover, then I guess that the wise child would be Survivor South Africa. The, the wicked child may be Australian Survivor. Or the one who doesn't know enough to ask for half the cast, let's be honest. If you asked a simple child, probably not. Anyway, it doesn't work. It's not an analogy that works. Get to the cast, Mike. No. Yeah, I would say that uh, 
moving from maybe something that you and I are both uh, more appropriately versed in, maybe Australia is the Bart Simpson and South Africa is the Lisa Simpson. Yeah, it really is. But again, U.S. isn't Maggie. This shit perfectly. Why isn't why isn't this analogy really just shoving in perfectly? No, U.S. is Homer Simpson. It's sort of like has got people are like, oh, it, it, it really changed over the course of its time on the show. Remember when it used to be simple and you know uh, more focused and more grounded? And look at it now; it's all wacky and all over the place. But it has its value. Uh, all right, Although let's get in. Homer Simpson did win, so that was South Africa outright. So yeah, now we can say that because we're in the spoiler section. Spoiler section, yeah. All right, get so out, wake up. Okay. So. let's get let's start here uh we are going to go i think we're starting with the men yes and what a man we are starting with here again <laughs> these are and what a man uh these are the pre-mergers and we are starting with a friend of the podcast and friend of survivor global previous survivor global guest dino paulo a 14th placer from the most recent season of survivor south africa immunity island yeah you know with someone i hung out with with larue at all the aforementioned events that have been talked about on this podcast, Dino was, was the best. wearing like was he wearing like a, a gold suit and like walking around with like a Mercedes Benz? Yeah, I was talking about this a little bit on Global, but in heavy coat. But now we can talk about it. Yeah, so I was with Kieran, who was also on that season. You you guys know you you watched it. We're in the spoiler the spoiler section. So we were just making like a lot of fun of Dino being like, "Oh, can you buy us that with the money?" And you like, you know, pay for dinner, which he did actually pay for brunch, but they were being way too nice to me. Well, yeah, we're like when, when LaRue paid for dinner, I was like, Dino, if you win, I'm going to be pretty mad about this. Like, you really, this should have been your shout if you took, you know, LaRue's money. But basically, Dino is so great. Like, genuinely, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much of my analysis, but I don't know how someone could be better placed to come into this season than Dino. For these reasons, I thought a lot about this. He's such a nice guy. To the point where I'm genuinely concerned about my mom because I feel like she's going to be so invested in Dino from the one time she met him. He's like a son to her now. She loves Whoa. him so much that I'm like, I, I'm scared for her to watch the season. Like, if he doesn't do well, anything that happens to Dino, like, I feel like it will emotionally affect her too much. Anyway, he's such a nice guy, which we knew anyway from the season, but he is. Super smart guy. Didn't have a great season. You know, he, he, yeah. he's a super fan. He loves, he loves a show like we all do. He got in his head. He made preventable mistakes early. And then he spent the whole season trying to catch up to it and then kind of went in a, in a bad swap. So it kind of was, was separate to it, but he was socially catching up to it the whole time. So I think to have someone who is humble enough and smart enough to know where he went wrong, to have the threat level reduced because it didn't go so well and to have like innate skills for the game and like great personality, super smart, knows the game really well, that maybe is hidden from people because they're thinking more about his performance. He's also super social. I know that he's like really connected to yeah. the community. He's like organizing a lot of the events. So that was why I felt comfortable enough to make all these jokes. Now, if he does badly, am I going to feel terrible? Yes, horribly terrible. I'll be consoling my mom. There'll be a lot going on, but I feel great about where Dino sits going into the season. Yeah, so Dino, you know, I said it on the podcast at the time, and I will continue to say it, that I think outside of a first boot, he may have had the worst episode one out of any Survivor player I have ever seen, between, you know, him grabbing the immunity necklace publicly between him trying to communicate to the other tribe, help me Paul to like throw the challenge so that he ends up uh, being safe to then telling the tribe afterwards that he was talking to the other tribe about it. It was just a disaster. I think he would, he would admit to it that to your point, he was able to like work his way back somewhat. He wasn't a majority in the first swap in the second swap. He ends up sort of uh, getting voted out here because he is perceived as probably the most threatening out of the people that were left in the minority. And there was a little bit of stuff going on with Immunity Island as well. 
took a little bit of perspective from my interviews. I know that Dino is someone who said, like, I massively overprepared last time. And so I am going to come Love in here. Love an overprepper. Like, Even when yeah, I expect to bite them, like, yes, overprep. It's good. But it's interesting, though, because we'll certainly talk about people who said that they came in not knowing a lot about the game. And now they, like, have a better sense of how everything goes. They have a little bit of runway under their feet. Dino is somebody who was like, yeah, I think I did too much. Uh, both in the game and out of the game. And so I think we are we are looking at a more like instinctual cooler. Do you know he also got engaged uh, in the interim period between seasons as well? So it's it's going to be interesting to see like how much of a different Dino we get versus like the very fun but kind of flighty mess that we got in the beginning of season eight. Yeah, I also wanted to say about this. Like, this is my hot take for the, the game generally. The Prima tribe to me looked like the Kumbaya tribe. Yep. Like they, which makes no sense because they were the ones who should have flamed out early, right? Like they're the big players who didn't make it far. It should be the post mergers who had like the game with them. But I feel like anyone who was like a little bit messy in the pre merge is going to be smart enough to be like, wait, no, I shouldn't do that. Dino is a great example of that. They also have like people we'll talk about who maybe were more a victim of circumstance who will be chill anyway. There's again, some people we can talk about where there'll be a little bit of conflict, but it's like a cool kind of calm tribe. Whereas the post mergers are chaos, which we'll talk yep. about too. There's a lot of really messy conflict there there's really chaotic players chaotic players who made it far enough to make the merge so they'll be like well that worked for me last time i don't know if they'll see much reason to change or maybe they won't be able to change which we'll talk about as well so that's not what you would think for a pre versus post merge tribe but that's how i can see this game going from from where i sit all right next up we have felix from survivor south africa island of secrets so felix was someone who i would say was one of the more contentious members of uh, the season early on he was certainly someone that got frustrated a lot with people on his tribe uh so much so that like they would not only make comments about it but it was one of the reasons why he was voted off that i believe he was like in the majority i think of his swap tribe you know doral was sort of lined up to be the next one to go even though he was brandishing that fake title that he lost in the ocean but his tribe including his former teammates tanya and Jacques, were just so frustrated with him at that point that they decided to get rid of him. Now, Felix admits to me in his interview that admittedly when he came out to play, he was not in a very good headspace. He was really worried about leaving his newborn child behind as well as his wife. So he really puts forward the idea of like, I feel better with myself. I feel better with my life that I feel like I could go out now and play the full 39 days and not need to necessarily worry about what's happening back home. Yeah, I mean, one of the the only real extreme conflict I see possibly is between Tanya and Felix on this tribe, who mm-hmm. it also needs to be said, four members of Ta'alo, which is just one tribe from that season, and not even the best tribe, four members of a six-person tribe are back, and neither of them are Jacques or Ting Ting, which maybe would be the first picks off the board for a pre-versus-coach merger season. Um, again, you know, people have comments about the cast, everything, there's a reason for everything, but that is wild, so... Felix and Tanya, like, that's some conflict I can see. Like, Tanya did send Felix home after a swap. That's a big thing. I think Felix has maybe some of the most to prove on the cast of the super fans. Yeah. Like, there are people who maybe didn't didn't make it very far. Obviously, there's a lot of them. There's a whole tribe of pre-mergers. But who we kind of have a sense of and we know them. Felix, I would say, seems almost, like, really physical. He was the rugby guy. Like, that's a big thing. And I know that, you know, there's a big Australian survivor kind of push in reverence in South Africa. Maybe, maybe they shouldn't be listening to this podcast. I, I even was scrolling through channels when I was in South Africa last week or a couple of weeks ago. Australian Survivor All-Stars premiere was on TV. So that might mm. contribute to more days and physical players and like all of the stuff that they want 
from a longer season, like all the stuff they want, they want from Australian Survivor, but done in its Survivor South Africa way. So I think Felix definitely brings that from a physicality perspective, which is good for these pre-mergers who maybe don't have as much challenge experience and are up against some absolute challenge beats. So Felix might be pretty necessary physically, but yeah, maybe that'll actually work out poorly for Tanya. All right, so let's get to our next pre-merge player. This is Philip from Survivor South Africa Season 5 Champions. Uh, so Philip was like a little bit of an agent of chaos in his own way, where uh, he was a firefighter who probably the biggest thing we probably most remember him from is that in the premiere, uh, he found a stash of sugar cane on the island and decided to keep it for himself with the exception of one person that he brought in on it. He was definitely perceived as being a bit squirrely. Uh, you know, he was initially in the Outsiders Alliance, did get brought into the majority, but was sort of like regarded as the bottom of the rung of the ladder, ironic enough, considering he was a firefighter at the time. And then eventually, like, the trust sort of wore out and he was voted out over some of those other Outsiders, like a Xavion. Uh, Philip is someone who admitted that he actually played too emotional in the beginning, that he's, he said that he played an individual game in the tribal phase, which he's definitely going to fix this time around. Yeah, and I think, you know, we said during the podcast, Philip would be a fun returning. He definitely, like, wanted to be the villain. Like, he was out there to steal sugar yeah. cane and to cause chaos, and I think that mentality is what can get you brought back. But I also think still that this will be the chill tribe. Like, I feel like, you know, maybe it'll be a chill tribe that's just missing all of its sugar. And it's funny that he's, yeah, he's not the only thief on the season. Maybe, maybe we'll see them reunited as some sort of swap or merge. But I still think like, even though they literally have someone who's definitely there to cause chaos, he's also, it's also a long time since, it's like a decade since for these season five players. And that's very different to everyone who yep. played, other than Cajun who played in, I think, 2010. Most of this cast, 14 players, played since 2018. So it's, it's less you know, decade-long growth. So I'm interested to see for all the season five is kind of where they're at, especially Philip White and get the interview. So I'm interested. I, I was interested in this pick from when we watched. So definitely yeah. intrigued to see what happens. Well, I think he's very excited in particular to not have uh, a sports legend on his tribe because something that happened in Survivor South Africa season five is, again, spoiling the season. The big twist was that there were captains. Uh, there were two sports stars in South Africa who quote-unquote captain the tribes they couldn't be voted out nor could they vote and they sort of just hung around the entire season and the guy cornet who led this tribe like was very much trying to push that kumbaya spirit that you were talking about and philip talks about in my interview that like he personally felt that that kind of handcuffed his game that they felt like a lot of people had to follow cornet to a certain extent that like anyone who stuck out from that perspective uh got ostracized and so he's hopeful that you know without any sort of Springbok stars on the menu here, uh, despite us talking about a rugby player, that hopefully this allows the devious gameplay to become something that's more part of the paradigm than maybe it was in 2014. Yeah, it's also interesting with the pre-mergers, like a, a big difference for them is that they don't know everyone as well. Like they haven't played with everyone because they haven't got to that like next phase of the game necessarily. So like, I think the season fibers are like pretty separated compared to four people from Ta'alo. It's insane. It's, it's a lot of people from Ta'alo, but... So you have, like, Phil was with Shona. Um, yeah, and that, that didn't go so great. But that's the only person he's met for, well, in the game. Again, he's been in the community for the next nine years. I don't know how involved he's been. But, yeah, like, Kalani was with Shane and Marion on the other side. So he hasn't played as much with the other players. So that's just an interesting thing for the pre-merge is that they're a little, little more disparate from a game perspective than the post-merges. All right. Next pre-merge man, Seamus Holmes. And ring the Francesca bell here. 
we have a Hold first on. we have we have a yeah. first boot returning for a season of Survivor. And it's interesting. I think Survivor South Africa season six, a lot is made understandably so about the rock draw that happens in episode two, which is again absolutely wild to say. But I would say the premiere is also a nice flavor of just how chaotic that season is. Seamus is someone who came in and branded himself like, I'm going to be the big villain. I'm going to be the big strategy guy. And he was really trying to like organize these, these votes against Tom, in particular the eventual winner of the season, a big what if in the very first vote that they faced. And yeah, imagine Tom's rubbed- coming back here as the first boot. Oh my God. Which he definitely then- would. Which he like 100% oh, yeah. would from a casting perspective. So it's either Seamus or like the Alpha and the Omega in that way. One was going to come on no matter what. But Mm -hmm. he then ticked off so many people that uh, a counter plan was essentially launched to protect Tom. Uh, And they brought in Ace, who I believe was not a huge fan of Seamus to begin with. And in a five to four vote in the very first vote of Survivor South Africa Philippines, Seamus ends up getting blindsided as the first boot of the season. Yeah, it's a crazy vote. I feel like it sets the tone of the season even before the rock draw. Like, it's a big premiere. I'm really interested in his interview because I want to know, like, what did he take from that? Like, what did he learn from that? Like, a lot of these other pre-mergers I've spoken to or heard from in some way where I know kind of, like, how they saw that early run going, like, how they that affected them. I don't know that much from Chambers. I haven't heard anything from, like, is he in the community? Like, I actually know nothing about it. Did you get a good vibe from the interview that, like, he has learned from some mistakes or that he's, like, coming out to, to make a you know good impression. Oh, yeah. Despite how svelte the guy is, he's been eating humble pie for the past, like, five years. Uh, he very much feels like Survivor was my dreams, and I got, like, shoved to the payment. Uh, and he said, you know, he actually hit, like, a very low place after the season just from, like, a personality perspective. He was able to recover. He's in a really good place right now. But he really has come in just under this thing of, I knew what I did wrong. I'm going to do the exact opposite. We'll see when push comes to shove if that's the case, if he's able to really abdicate a lot of control and like just, you know, take a back seat and let other people lead the way and get themselves in their messes. But I mean, Seamus has the firsthand evidence as to like what he did wrong, which was essentially everything, right? At least everybody else has made it at least three days further where they can say, okay, I was able to like do at least something right. Seamus really has all the evidence as to what he did wrong last time. And I think he's able to use that easily as a blueprint to say, okay, I did all these things wrong. I was too egocentric. I was too controlling. I was too out there. Let me try to do the exact opposite going into the game. Super exciting. Yeah. All right. Last pre-merge mail. We're sticking with season six. Uh, It is someone that you and I have talked to a fair amount of times. Tevin, uh, the 12th place finisher from season six. Tevin has a really interesting arc. Uh, one of my favorites, actually, of a pre-merger in Survivor in quite some time, where Tevin was in control for the vast majority of his game. Uh, he felt like he was, like, you know, firmly uh, surrounded by allies on all sides. He sort of did have, like, a verbal frustration and rivalry with Martinez, but that's fine. He ends up quitting. They would have voted him out anyway. And still, in one of the most stunning moves I've ever seen, specifically in the pre-merge, at a certain point in episode seven of season six, Tevin's closest ally, PK, says, no, nah, I'm done with that. I don't want to be controlled by him anymore. And using him, Tony, his other closest ally, they're able to essentially flip the votes onto Tevin and the power player goes from the top to the bottom in just an instant. Yeah, wouldn't it be shocking if those three players were like reunited in some sort of 
game format. Um, yeah, this was the, the vote that I dreamed about. This was a big vote, the episode seven yeah. Tevin vote, where that was when Mike and I were like, you know, at the time we were doing just like spor- not sporadic, but like every few weeks we'd podcast. And after that, well, we're like, 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 like we're, know, we're doing now. Every we're doing, week. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do yeah. like batch inter- batch recaps. Yeah. Yeah, but that's against our will. That way we had chosen. I'm like, oh, I just started podcasting. This seems like a lot. And then after Tevin got voted out, I was like, the season is wild. And we were both like, yeah, let's do it for a week, which I think Mike probably would have been fine with from the beginning. But I was just, it's a small baby podcaster at the time. And I loved Tevin, truly, like one of my favorite players. I was heartbroken when he got voted out. It was a huge move. And I honestly feel like he's still a big threat because like, he didn't do really anything wrong. Like he was very much a victim of, I want to say circumstance, but like, I mean, PK. And even when I did the deep dive with PK, PK was like, yeah, I just felt like that would be like a good TV move or like that was a thing to do. It would just be to like turn on my number one ally in the pre-merge and put him on a pre-merge tribe for the future. If I'm going to be on a post-merge tribe, then at least we'd be separated. He didn't say that. That would be wow. incredible if you could foresee that. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, you can't spell precognition without PK. And so that's uh, what he put forward there. So Tevin comes in with a really interesting perspective because like you said, he doesn't he didn't necessarily do a lot of things wrong, but one of his biggest regrets is that he feels he wasn't devious enough. Uh, he feels like he actually played by the rules too much. He would have loved to do things like take idols and challenges or stand up and start whispering at tribal council. But he felt too afraid to sort of like follow the rules that production was setting in front of them. We hear this a lot from new players. Now that he is a returning player, and now that I feel like those elements of the games have been more normalized, we might actually see a different side of Tevin, where he's able to kind of like let that part of his personality loose. It's hard because I don't think that he needs to change anything other than maybe don't align with PK on the season. But I also feel like he, the only change he needs to make is that I think he's still going to be a threat. So he needs to put up those defense mechanisms, which maybe is going out and playing. I want to say a little harder, but maybe... He was playing hard anyway, but it might be more defensive than offensive. But yeah, the, the Tevin boot is iconic, I think, in Survivor South African history. This is the perfect theme for like, this is literally like for someone like Tevin, who's just like a shock pre-merger where it changed the whole fate of the game and you could not have the season without him. So thank God he said yes. All right, well, let's move on to the pre-merge women. And let's start with another season fiver. This is Killarney, who was voted out in episode three, first from her tribe. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Shannon, the trajectory of Killarney is that she was super physically strong, right? I believe she was like a karate master. And, you know, when it came to organizing the votes, uh, she was trying to like do a little bit of wheeling and dealing, which did not ping necessarily well on one of the other castmates on this tribe, Marion. And so she was able to help cobble together a new majority alliance to be able to blindside Killarney here at the first vote on the tribe. Yeah, I mean, when LaRue said Kalani, I was like, oh, I, I kind of love that pick. Like, it's not someone I would have necessarily put forward myself. But then when I heard it, I was like, that's perfect. Like, Kalani's experience was marred by racism. The person she was in conflict with had been racist, to, not towards her, but about her. And, and we said at the time that, like, disentangling that from each other is impossible. So I always felt like, yes, she was doing too much in a move. No one wanted to get rid of him. But she, like, personally, you have to protect yourself. And I felt like that really marred her experience. So seeing her here, I will say she, I love her interview. Loved it so much that she's, I'm not going to spoil it because I want her to say it in her words, but, like, she's been through a lot recently. She has changed a lot in the decade since we saw her, especially recently. She's had some some personal stuff that is honestly, like, really very, very sad, but really, really touching. She's an inspiring person. Like, I came out and I was, like, completely inspired by her. So she's someone who maybe... You're like, oh, that's a bit of a question mark pick or, you know, first boot from a tribe in what is a pre-merge season. But it's not about that for me. It's really about 
the fact that I think that that's the potential that we can capitalize on in a season like this. I don't think that she's a hardcore strategist. I don't think she's ever going to be kind of, she, she's more physical. She, she was trying to get the votes, but again, like there was some personal stuff to that. I think she's more kind of maybe intuitive. It's not as much kind of like the heady strategy, but I think just as, as a person, I think she's going to be a character that even in the preseason, people are really going to come around on. So I'm excited for Kalani. Yeah. I'm really excited to learn about her because we really did not know a lot about her. Even like, I feel like she was fairly invisible for two out of the three episodes that she was in. Uh, and I, I, I'm really excited, I guess four episodes, three out of the four episodes. And so I'm excited to find out more about her. There's potential there. Like you said, there's obviously the physical aspect, though she is the oldest. She was the oldest woman and the oldest person, I think, on her season or close to it. You know, she has some fight in her. She is a martial artist. And so I think if we go back to that physical aspect, like we talked about with Felix, I mean, you see from like, that super incredible trailer for this season, which I want to highlight temporarily because it's so badass. We're getting at least some physical competition, right? I did see a reprise of the winners at war tussle over the life preserver. And so I think if they're doing a lot of those, Killarney might be someone who's going to become a, an asset, which might overweigh the fact that, you know, if you have those types of strategy types, they're like, I don't care about that. Let's, uh, you know, get rid of her. I think maybe this is going to make her bring more worth to this tribe in particular. Yeah, I, I don't want to say any more by Kalani that she won't say in her own words in our next podcast. So, all right, yeah. well, let's Listen move to the on. Let's mm-hmm. move on here. So, we're looking back to last season, another first boot from her tribe. We're talking about Pinty, and it is actually sort of a similar situation to Kalani from what I spoke about. So, Pinty was someone who was also a physical asset. Uh, she was someone who had been like working on her boat for some time. So, clearly, she had a lot of like camp experience. Uh, but she was playing too hard too fast. Uh, she had made all these alliances, uh, and there were people, even her own allies, that were growing wary of her, uh, and, you know, especially the fact that she was rubbing some people the wrong way as well. There, I know there was some stuff between, like, her and Carla, for instance, and so it just ended up happening that, like, uh, the, the formidable or whatever it was alliance ends up becoming in the majority of Vuna, and she ends up becoming the first person voted out of her tribe. Yeah. I mean, if she makes it to Chappies, that was a connection that she had. Um, but I feel like Pinty's a, a wild card because she put people off socially, but she really barely got to play. So we're going to have to see how it goes. She was someone who was like very grateful to be back, very happy for the experience. But she's she's super recent, but I don't think that that'll count against her because I don't, know, don't think anyone will see it as a threat. I don't know. I, I think that there is quite a lot of like immediate learning about some of like, again, preventable social missteps that hopefully you don't have and like if she can avoid that she should be able to fly under the radar she should be pretty strong so yeah i think that that's that she could be an interesting pick yeah i'm intrigued to see because again i think she has that physical aspect i think she i would imagine one of the biggest takeaways she had uh and i don't know if i'm putting words in her mouth shannon is like obviously she knew that she like put herself out to front both from an anti-social perspective and also just like so much happening behind the scenes that while you had people like anesu and tyson who we're doing, we're part of a lot of alliances as well. They were much more under the radar than Pinty, who, at least from our perspective, seemed to be leading a lot of conversations. So it's a little similar to Seamus, actually, in that I do wonder how both of them, who were both first boots on their tribes, are able to reconcile that and say, okay, can I truly sit in the back pocket, or is that just naturally who I am? Yeah, I, for me, it's, it's, it's just social missteps. Like, it's just the fact that she was clashing with people, and she might not now. She seems to be in good with the cast since, like, hanging out with people. Possibly some of them are, you know, in this cast. There's a lot of pre-merges here. There's three from season eight. So Teresa, she didn't meet, but then there's also Dino, who she didn't meet. 
So you yeah. know what? She's going to meet some people from from season eight, but like she knows them from her cast, and they just they just had the reunion. You know, like they at the time, like it was all very fresh. So there might be that like camaraderie around the cast. All right, let's move on here to season fiver again. Uh, Shona. So Shona, I know was a favorite of yours, Shannon, not just because of the first two letters in her name. So Shona was on the such a strange reason to stand someone like you have an SH in your like I have an SH in my name. It's incredible. (laughs) And an N and an A. Oh, my God. And an O. Shona's name is basically my name. How could I not stand her? My God, she has been you the entire time. This is a Tom (laughs) Riddle moment for you. So Shona was on uh, the same tribe as Philip in Survivor South Africa Champions. So what happened with Shona was in the first couple episodes, there was this exercise where the tribe was the captains were tasked to send like who they deemed their two weakest people into a challenge uh, to earn something for the tribe. Shona went with a, a lovely man by the name of David. And as a result, they were able to get a clue to a hidden immunity idol that they were able to find together. The issue is paranoia will destroy you. And I think David started to unravel to the point where a hysterical image happened where he stormed into camp where Shona was talking to people and flaunted his dangling underwear in her face where he had previously kept the idol accusing her of stealing it because in that season uh, it was in the rules where you were able to steal other people's idols we will get to that in a second with some of the post-merge members of uh, of the tribe there but essentially that turned like everyone onto Shona though she was part of this Rugrats majority alliance no one necessarily trusted her in that moment and instead they actually like sort of replaced her with david in that majority alliance and they voted shona out during a double tribal council that's what we're missing like there's a lot of pairs on the season but shona and david like that would have been an iconic reunion i know that like the the post-merge male cast like it's hard to find that space but man wow what a jewel they were shona iconic queen i mean how much like how lucky that we went back over a year ago and watched the season so that i could stand shona she's not just a random to me now like i love shona I think she's great. It's been 10 years. And I feel like she came across as like really young and excitable in the season. And obviously it's been a while since, but she was honestly kind of still pretty excitable in the interview. I feel like she, she's a businesswoman. She's had some success. Like she, she's definitely a different person, but it's like that same kind of personality. I'm interested to see how it goes. I, she, she beat my expectations of her in the early days of champions too. And then it kind of all started to unravel. So if we could kind of have the same thing, but without the unraveling, I'm super excited that she's here. Um, playing without David, and we'll see. Like I, 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 I'm worried maybe from a physicality perspective, but otherwise, you know, she's super fun, and everyone should want to hang out with her. So I feel good about it. That's the thing. She's one of the personalities I think I'm looking forward to most, especially on this premier tribe. Like she was just so excitable and giggly during her time on champions which makes sense again this was sort of like something that she really wanted to do uh i have my the image run frame in my head of like her with that straw hat a la jeff probst in back during the cook islands phases that was something that she donned a lot over the course of this season but yeah i mean it sort of ends up getting undone i wouldn't say due to no fault of her home but sort of like due to the actions of somebody just which philip ends up doing to somebody else in turn down the line i'm just like airing all this quite literally dirty laundry of like oh shona had this information she you know kept this all from you and with that tribe especially they were very much like oh you're keeping this information from us you're public enemy number one and so again i do wonder with the paradigm of survivor changing a bit since 2014 if somehow this happens again like will they be more forgiving for her this time does this mean she's going to actively like avoid looking for advantages i'm excited to see it 
yeah, she had iconic final words that we put on the soundboard that now are escaping my mind, but she, but she did. And it all happened so fast. Like it all went downhill in like the space of an afternoon. So we're trying, it, it was, it was, it was like a car crash. It was like, that was what it was like watching it as a Shona fan. And how could I not be? She has all the letters in my name. And also she's an icon, which has many of the same letters. O and N. Anyway, yep. go Shona. What do we call her? Right. Icona at the time, I'm sure. Hi, Akona. Uh, so <laughs> let's move on here to our final member. No, sorry, our penultimate member, Tanya Copeland, a uh, big character from Island of Secrets. Uh, she was the oldest woman. A lot of people, including ourselves, were comparing her to Debbie Wanner at the time where she yeah. was definitely the kookiest person, right? She was like doing pull-ups on the beach. She was, you know, bossing everyone around. Certainly did not necessarily make the best first impression. The point where, were it not for a twist where she happened to go to Island of Secrets and skip out on Tribal Council, she would have definitively been the person voted out in episode three of the season. But she was able to make it to the swap where she made it a few votes more. And it was just like, due to the fact that her swap tribe kept losing and losing and losing that, you know, uh, I forget the Misfits, I think was the name of their alliance. Uh, they eventually Misfits just had alliance, to like, yeah. yeah, they had to turn on their own and Tanya was, was voted sad. out just due- yeah, it was just yeah. due to like weakness. And it's interesting, right? Yeah, someone who went from the kooky older woman edit, uh, the dodo edit almost in the beginning of the season, going to like one of the most solemn boots of the season is a really interesting arc overall. Yeah. Tanya spent most of our interview talking about how she's trying to memorize astrological charts that will help her in the game. Um, oh my God. So, <laughs> so that, there was a lot on that. And I was like, this is like not my comfort zone. Um, I'll take your word for it. That's what I remember. I just like, if I were to give like one word to every interview, some of them would actually be really funny. This is a personal joke with myself right now. Tanya's would be moon. There was a lot on the moon. Um, so ah. I don't know how much that's going to, that's going to help her in the game. Tanya's been, you know, Tanya's life, even in the few years since she's played has a couple of years since she's played. Like a lot of people with COVID, it's been all over the place. Like you wouldn't expect that Tanya's just kind of been chilling in a stagnant way. She's someone whose father was a bank robber. And other facts that are escaping. Oh, me right I now. forgot She's about that. Yeah. Survivor South Africa. Yeah, so it's been a lot, um, and I'm sure it will continue to be with Tanya. And and it and it's maybe a little concerning from a game perspective as it was at the time. And she has Felix, who's like physically strong. I don't feel great about Tanya's chances, but I'm glad to see her back because she was definitely like pretty much iconic as well during that yeah. much. Yeah, I think definitely she was one of the biggest characters of the season overall in the the episodes that she lasted. I think no matter how many episodes we're going to get of her, she's going to be a lot of fun. And now I'm remembering, wasn't it a thing where like there was a statue of her family member as well? And she like told the story about it to her tribe. Yeah, that's that's ringing. That's ringing a bell to me as well. So there's a lot of stories. Maybe there'll be a statue of Tanya a la Island of the Idols when she wins the season at the end of this. Yeah, maybe there will be. All right, final member of the pre-merge tribe, Teresa, uh, another pre-merger from season eight. Uh, Teresa, you know, goes out right before Dino, which makes sense considering that, like, there was a little bit of mess coming from Teresa as well. Uh, she was one of the first person that was sent to Island, uh, uh, Immunity Island, and as a result was like, you know, she was very much on the bottom. Uh, there was a moment where, you know, she was approached by the the sort of, trio of blondes that were on Zamba and she sort of said like uh, I'll think about your alliance where she was a little bit kind of keeping people at arm's length where when it got to swapping over onto the Vuna despite the fact that she was technically in the majority from a tribal alliance perspective 
uh, everyone was sort of like, yeah, but we should get rid of Teresa. Because I remember there were a bunch of things with like the fake idol, right? Where she was like showing the parchment to everybody saying that she had the idol when she actually didn't. Uh, I believe she was the first person to get sent to Immunity Island and like lost her vote, right? Am I remembering this correctly? She never voted. Yeah, she's never voted. Yeah, so it's She actually I mean, double look- lost her vote. Well, she gave up her vote and she lost her vote for the two tribal councils she attended. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm happy that she'll be able to check something off the bucket list and that she'll actually be able to vote this season on Survivor South Africa, even if she goes to Tribal Council first. But, yeah, Teresa was a really fun cast member who was a little all over the place, but, like, there is a spark there that I'm excited to see back. Yeah, I love Teresa so much. She's been on the podcast. And, like, if there's any interview where you can hear me, like, willing someone to do well and not really asking questions more, like, trying to give some some unsolicited advice, like, that was Teresa for me because I wanted to have a good experience so much because I identify with her and I like her so much. Um, she's a huge super fan. You know, she, she loves the mm-hmm. game. She's so likable. I think she just, her game never got off the ground. She literally never voted because she didn't have her people. And then, you know, when you're just, like, not with with your people and you're just, like, you're out of it from the beginning. That was Teresa. But like you get her on the podcast, she's like so much personality. She's so much fun. She knows so much about the game. I really, really enjoy Teresa. I really hope she does well. And I think she could find her people here. I mean, there's a lot of fans across the board on a tribe. I mean, I know she had Dino before, but it wasn't going great for her regardless. Um, but like Kevin, you know, other fans that she could possibly have and other points of connection that she could find. So I feel like she was kind of othered a little bit on her tribe where I hope that she won't be on this one. I think it's a better group for her. And I have really high hopes. I think that there are preventable mistakes that she made. I hope that she doesn't make them. Cause I also think that like, like I'm like, I don't want to spoil the interview, but in the interview it was like, Teresa was just like, you know, talk to people and like socially connect with people. Cause that was the big thing. It was like, she didn't, she, she didn't connect with the power players as much as she, yeah. she needed to. So you just hope that that could be rectified. but. Uh, like absolutely rooting for her. So I think that'll come across in the interview. All right. So let's go back quickly just to now that we've seen them all review the Yantau tribe, because you sort of alluded to it mm-hmm. before, Shannon, but there are some connections here, right? Be it a Teresa and Dino who like literally played the entire game together, uh, whether it be, you know, did, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think about like, to- obviously Tanya and Felix. I would imagine those are the bigger stories. Philip Not to spoil my... Yeah, it's Philip and Sean. I mean, not to spoil my interview with Felix too much. I know one of the questions we did ask was like, who would you most and most not want to see out there? And Felix for most not did indeed mention Tanya. So I think that's going oh, to be really? very interesting. Oh, that's yeah. so old because it was funny in my interviews as well when like people would like hit on that and I'd be like, oh, that's so interesting because you said that or that, you know, like people they wanted out there, people they didn't want out there. And I'd be like, ooh, that's not good for that person, but they don't even know it yet. So, yeah, see. so we could see like a, a Francesca Philip Shepard thing happen with like Tanya and Felix in particular, where they just immediately gun for each other and like that becomes the drama early That's on. That's not going to go off with Tanya. Like they're not no. fighting with Tanya over Felix and that. They're not. Yeah. Any other relationships that you want to point out here, or I guess lack thereof in some people's cases? I think a lot of it, you know, crosses over to the other tribe. Obviously, mm. the fact that PK and Tevin and Tony are on, on the season, we don't know who's going to get to that point. So, yeah, I think that those are some of the big ones. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Well, let's move on here through everybody to the Masu tribe, the post-merge. And first off, let me say, I completely co-sign what you said. Just looking at these people. This is going to be it's a absolute. Mess. It's a messu. That's what they should name the tribe. <laughs> putting it out before we've even seen it. They're the messu tribe, and we have to get a new name before we even get to a swap. Yeah, because I mean, just like everyone here, like you said, like it's just such a, a stacked tribe, and there is confidence, there is fast gameplay, there is shrewdness to them. Like you have, I know personalities are going to be butting against each other from the get go. Now look. There are the Kasayas that are like able to succeed in spite of that. And there are some like very good assets on this tribe. But like I would not be surprised in particular if the Mesu continues to mess up and just keep going to tribal council because they just keep fracturing and fracturing. These are the successful players. These people made the merge. Like this is this is this is meant to be the gold standard of the season. But if you look at it, probably a lot of clear pairs, which will be interesting because I feel like there's gonna be it's not gonna be like we just had with 42, which was like kind of this like monolith of power and like outsiders were picked up i don't think i think we're gonna have to go into factions because there's like clear groups already like are the pairs really gonna go together i don't think so so dante and meryl played the whole game yep. together super tight the whole time two of the taalos that defined this season you know like it's like oh we've had like you know in game changes four korongas or in second chances four kagiyanas these people are all from the same tribe it's just i mean i know that we had that kind of with the brains but like Four people. No, I mean the same starting drive. It's crazy. I, I mean, you say Marilyn Dante, but like Shane and Marion are Shane and Marion. Yeah, by far. I mean, this they not only play the entire game together; they were each other's tightest allies. They were regarded, at least at the time, as like two of the most villainous, if not two of the biggest players of the season. It'll be interesting. I think we'll certainly get into it with the individual profiles as to like has that relationship held. Do we think that it's going to be something that people see, or will absence sort of make the heart grow fonder, especially compared to like Marilyn Dante, who will become perceived as more of a, a recent pair? It's it's really interesting because I agree you have that, but then you have someone like a Chappies, who is an individual, but was such a giant part of yeah. last season that like will he get mm. brought in as a number or will he be an easy target because he doesn't have anybody? Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it. Chappies might have raised some eyebrows from some people he didn't even play with. He is alone of the season eighters on this tribe. So, and like, and the thing about like Marion and Shane is like Marion and Dante, like maybe some people forgot that they were a pair. Like it wasn't like a huge part of the season, although it was like very consistent and clear. But Marion and Shane, like their pairness is central to that entire season. Like it's one of like the top three things you might mention about the season, that they were like this pair of villains that YouTube continue to comment on more from a female perspective. But the point is like they were stealing the idols and they were running that pre-merge. And then like Marion kind of goes for that and, and Shane spoiler alert, but like continues on and then goes with two idols in his pocket. There's a lot going on with Marion and Shane that to see even, you know, like we didn't know them over a year ago, but like 
to see one of them would have been wild, but to see both of them, especially Shane, who I kind of felt like had disappeared. Then yeah. he like reappeared on social media, which we'll maybe talk about a little bit. And then, yeah. And now he's on the show with Marion and three other season fivers. It's like, yeah, great that we, we watched that season. So there's a lot going on. There's also Tajin who played over a decade ago by himself, whose season I am midway through and I will get to probably hopefully finish by the time we get to the post-merge male interview segment of this, you know, preseason. But yeah, so he's like by himself and they, they kind of bookended Chappie's and Tajin on like both sides of the chronological season yeah. side. And then everyone else is, is connected in pretty interesting ways, like PK and Antoni, but Palesa yeah, there, well- like, Palesa, yeah. P- Tony, and PK all went out one right after the other, and they sort of like, well, it was much more Tony and PK. Like, there is that storyline right in the post merge of season six of like how there was this sort of big alliance of the post post uh, Red Tribe with Tom sort of brought along, and everyone else was kind of pushing against them. And so that would be really interesting to see. Like, is Palesa going to work with them, or is she going to strike out on her own? Let, let, let's get into it because we'll go back to Chappies here. Uh, I mean. It, it's either him or Santini as like the big star of season eight, right? This is a guy who has probably the most complicated edit I think I've ever seen in Survivor history, where in one season he is both able to like single-handedly save two of his tribe members from drowning, and then like four episodes later is being yelled at by his tribe members at tribal council for hoarding food and quote-unquote cheating by stealing food from the auction. He was a provider, uh, but he oftentimes would squirrel away food for himself uh, in the very famous Chappie's Diner. And despite pissing people off, he they couldn't get rid of him because he won, what, four immunity challenges in a row, I think, uh, and then was also able to use the Immunity Island stuff to his uh, positivity, and he was right there. He was in the final two of the final immunity challenge, do or die situation, he lets go, Nicole wins, votes him out, and one of the reasons why she wins is because she is able to dethrone Chappies. Yeah, I mean, Chappies is pretty much the only person on this cast who was, like, right there. You know, like, I, I, yeah. who was the next? Steph, Steffi came fifth, and was she going to win? Like, you know, like, Chappies was a challenge away from winning, in a way that's like very memorable in that it just happened. Like I truly believe he is the biggest name in Survivor South Africa right now. Like if you were to ask, if yeah. you were to poll a hundred casual family feud style and say like name of Survivor South Africa contestant, I think Chappies is number one. He was fan favorite. Um, he yeah. almost won. He didn't in agonizing ways. I feel like while the theme for other people is like, oh no, this like brutal defeat. It wasn't like, but it was just their defeat. You know, compared to like second chances for the US where we had people who were there on the last day and we had like fallen angels. We, we don't really have that this season except for Chappies who like represents that whole subgroup, which is a massive subgroup in Survivor. And he like bears the weight of that on his shoulders. And it's a reputation that's not even like he was like such a solid guy who almost won and he was like too big a threat. He like also was stealing from them. So it's like both <laughs> things where they're like, well, he he's like, they need him physically. That's a big thing. But like yeah. also he was stealing for them and he also almost won. And he's like, he's definitely going to get like camera time. Like there's a lot of reasons to take Chappies out. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because, again, he's the person we most recently saw. The last episode of Survivor South Africa that has been on the air, he was a part of. Yeah. And it's, it's like you said, it is so mixed. I should correct myself. He, did, he won five immunity challenges in a row. So it's really interesting to see, like, that balance to your point of, okay, we might need his physical strength in the challenges versus, like, 
well, it's starting to get to be the merge. And if we give Chappies an inch, he's going to take a mile and then probably cook that mile uh, by himself at night. I will be intrigued as well to see like how much of that comes out too. almost the opposite of Tevin, who said like, well, I played, you know, rather a straightforward game. Now I don't want to. Chappies was somebody that was really relishing, like doing some of the more devious things, much to his chagrin when it came to the jury. I wonder, will that play into this time where he's like sort of a Tony-esque, like, okay, I'm going to, I did this last time. Now I'm going to do this again. Or will he say like, I got in trouble for that last time. Let me try to stick to a more straightforward, simple, quote unquote, heroic game of helping out around camp and not doing anything devious. Yeah, it's interesting with Chappies. It's a very short turnaround, like almost like this interview and the deep dive. It like it blends in for me because they were only a couple of months apart. But a lot changed. He did. He had a son in that time. I don't yeah. know that it changed Chappies a lot. I don't know that there's changing Chappies. You know how like a leopard doesn't change their spots like this Chappies. I don't think so. Um, and I think like he was. Oh, he was did, just didn't Chappies wear like the the leopard? I think he wore like a leopard print something. Maybe it was the 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 speedo. I think that was orange. Maybe it was the orange. Why do I remember I this? Why are we also, talking, like, well, are we he's not really known for the speedo. He's more so known for running around naked, like he did, like basically every beach that he touched down on. Yeah, you know, like Tony came back six seasons later and was still like Tony. Imagine if Tony mm-hmm. came back in season twenty nine. <laughs> That's basically what we're getting. Uh, I'm worried for Chappies, but I'm glad yeah. he's here because I feel like you you couldn't have the cast without him because he's just like the, even the casuals. Everyone would be like, "Where's Chappies?" That's what the people should be saying all the time. So we needed Chappies. Even if it when Ch- maybe is, is a brutal pathway for him. <laughs> when Chappies isn't on the screen, everyone should be asking, where's Chappies? Uh, but they don't yeah. need to because he's here. Next up, the <laughs> aforementioned Dante. Uh, Dante probably looking the most different in that he had long Aquaman-esque locks. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, usually in Survivor, they make you like, this happened with Eric Reichenbach, right? They made him like grow out his hair for Karim Owen because that's the, the look that people are used to. And I don't think they that Dante could grow it out that fast. Like, that's not how hair works. You could wear, so a, you wig. wear a wig. <laughs> yeah, like, you could wear extensions, but you can't just like grow out from that to the long hair that he had in probably what was just a few weeks of, of casting. Yep. Dante was another big personality. He ends up finishing about halfway through uh, Island of Secrets, but he was a big physical asset. Again, people called him Aquaman. I would say that he was probably drawn to Meryl brains, but he certainly had a temper to him to the point where uh, there was an infamous tribal council where he told uh, Jeff that he was with his fist. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if Dante has sort of like found the Zen. Dante. He lost his temper along with his hair here. Yeah, Dante was not a super social survivor player. It was a lot of a, a lot of the physical stuff. He did want to, um, you know, pretty much be alone. I think he went on rewards, but he was like, this would be better if I was alone. Something he might have in common with some of the other post-merge players <laughs> that we'll talk about. And, like, in talking to Dante, that really comes across. He's like, I'm here for this, like, experience. Like, he wants to be on the beach. He wants to do the survival stuff. He doesn't really, like, want to be on TV. Like, it's, that's not what he's doing mm-hmm. Like, he's not here for, like, the fame. He actually wants people to, like, leave him alone, I think, was, like, a big message that I was taking away from the interview. So he's a little bit of, like, this, like, unique enigma um, that I think really came across in the interview. We'll kind of see how, you know, how that manifests on a second time playing. But he's definitely an interesting character and someone who might have some similarities with someone who you already played with in Steffi, who's back on the tribe. I think Steffi's similar. Like, Steffi as well was, like, going to the Island of Secrets just to hang out by herself you know, introverts maybe that are on Survivor. So it's definitely an interesting one. Interesting as well as Dante became like a pseudo Survivor podcaster in the interim, right? Like he was covering things with Jacques. So that's interesting as well. Maybe someone who did not necessarily want to grasp the game while he was out on the island was kind of like 
maybe not forced to, but like in podcasting with Jacques, you're going to be talking about the game regardless. And so I wonder how much that changes his approach as well. Yeah, another Ta'alu member who leaves their fingerprints on the season um, in Jacques. So yeah, we'll see what Jacques has imparted to Dante and we will, you know, dole out praise or criticism to, to Jacques based on how Dante does. That's what I, I basically just imagine Jacques in his ear right now. It's like a mic the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, do this. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Like uh, Impractical Jokers, but Impractical Jockers. Yeah, and it's like Dante is like he's a physical beast. It's great. He can like he's gonna you're gonna need that strength early. Although this is a pretty strong tribe, but you're gonna want that. And then Jacques is doing all the strategy in an earpiece. And how did that get through production? I don't know. We weren't there, but it was, it's hidden in the it. wig. That's Congrats why. to them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, we mentioned him before. It is PK. Here's a guy who admittedly did not know much about the game, but it didn't matter to him. We branded him PKOS for a reason, uh, which is just like, he was absolute disorder. We'd mentioned it before, where like, he was actually fairly low-key for the majority of the pre-merge, until he just decides, he wakes up one morning and chooses violence and says, bye-bye, closest ally. Uh, naturally, that sort of like puts him on the outs of things, again, with the Werner-controlled side over on the post-merge. He does find an idol, uh, w- basically in the sight of everybody else, ends up playing it that night to save himself. Uh, as part of like that idle train maneuver, he was pretty much on the outs the entire time, uh, but was still like a very fun personality. And I think definitely one of the biggest agents of chaos and a tribe that honestly might be full of them this season. Yeah, I love PK so much. Like he really was PK chaos. And like when we talk about some of that stuff, it makes me want to rewatch the whole season because of this iconic cast. And PK is definitely part of that. I'm just laughing, thinking about him just like skulking around to get his idol. Um, there were so many hilarious things. But, you know, I came on the interview. I'm like, be chaos. What's up? He was like, no more P chaos. No more, no more chaos. Whoa. And he could not. He could not make it through the interview with that intact. That's all I will say. <laughs> that I feel like like he may think that that's true. But I will tell you that P chaos is alive and well. And this tribe better watch out because everything that you got, like he, and he's aware of it. He's like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't, he, even in the deep dive, he was like, I shouldn't just vote out my number one ally for no reason. I was like, no. And, he, and he's, he's aware of it, but I don't think he can help himself. Like I think PKOS lives. PKOS is like stronger than PK. It's kind of like the green goblin maybe, but it's there and it's unkillable. So I'm super excited for it. I think, you know, the Tevin thing is a lot and I hope the best for both of them. but. I'm really interested in how this goes for PK. To not get into too many spoilers with my Tevin and my Tony interviews, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, they seem to okay. allude to the fact that like they are a very tight trio outside of the show. Oh, yeah, oh the so Wolfpack, th- right? Yeah, and so I think you would think there might be a chance of Tevin being like, I'm going to get some revenge. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I think that Tevin would be the person to be like, I don't want to sacrifice like a real-life friendship in the pursuit of revenge, especially when it's like, in my best interest to work with them. So I think, you know, to quote Alyssa Edwards, like the hatchet is buried uh, at that point, six feet under. I think that we're going to see if these trio do end up coming together via a swap or a merge. I think it's going to be one of the strongest factions in the game. No, I'm worried about it because that's when PK strikes. Like, I mean, I would rather that you were like, no, he and Tevin are in a really bad place. to be like, okay, well then PK's not going to come with him. But like they're friends? PK's going to take him out? Like that's literally what happened last time. All right, I'm next up, we mentioned him before, Shane, looking even more like a supervillain than he did last time with the bald head <laughs> and the beard. So he Shane, I mean, he really, and he played like one too. He played sort of like a, a bad, you know, an evil CEO where he was the leader of this alliance 
with Marion where they were doing things like stealing idols. They were organizing all of these blind sides. He had an idol in his possession. Uh, he is told by Marion herself, which we'll get to, like, don't play it on me. She gets voted out as a result. Shane thinks he's like the number one target, is able to be kept strung along in like a series of blind sides, one right after the other, where like he's able to be brought in where Graham thinks, okay, everyone's going to turn on me eventually. So let me work with some of the biggest threats in a Shane, in a Xavion. Then it gets to a certain point where he's able to find another idol, has two idols in his towel pocket, and is so, <laughs> it's so confident. He keeps them both, and much like James Clement, who now has the same hairstyle as Shane, is voted out with two idols in his pocket. He was by far and away one of the biggest characters of the season. To your point, I didn't know if we'd see him again. He seemed to really like distance himself from the Survivor community until very recently. I am so excited to see what Shane is like now. Yeah, and Shane is like just as villainous. Like Shane came in like hard shading Graham. Like he was not a good winner. I'm like, oh, we thought he was pretty good, but like well, he voted yeah. for he voted for Sivu, right? I get. I I'm, guess. Pre- I'm pretty sure he was one. See, of the this is the problem with these plurality votes. When it's unanimous, we don't have these trivia questions. Um, yeah, so he was like not high on Graham as a winner, and he was talking about it a lot. Shane came back to Twitter to talk about season eight which maybe, you know, there were some spicy comments about some of the contestants. He's got his eye on Chappies. He's not like Chappies. Um, So that's a bit of a concern for me for Chappies. And, yeah, I mean, he's, like, basically one of the most, like, ultimate South Africa villains. He is there with Marion, so that's, like, this force. And it's basically, like, I think, like, how will these little voting blocks combine? That's a big thing. So we'll see with Shane. If you think that he's, like, softened in the 10 years or so since, he has not. Yeah, I mean, again, let's also bring up the idol stuff as well. While maybe it's a bit lighter on advantages this season than in previous seasons, Shane found two idols in this season to the point where there was one point where Sivu is like sniffing around, finds the idol, puts him down. Shane was tailing him the entire time, just sneaks in, swoops it under his nose and takes it back, which is also a very fun piece of symmetry where like Shane then leaves an idol to essentially like Shane leaving the game allows Sivu to get an idol to be able to play it. it. It's fun symmetry in that way. Season five is so much fun, but it's yeah, so I fun. mean, if Shane decides to continue along that path, this could be one of our like resident idol finders where someone like a Chappies who fruitlessly dug went on a stupid wild goose chase at the merge to try to look for an idol that wasn't there. That was planted as a joke by everybody else. Shane could be somebody who like takes to the woods immediately, doesn't care and starts looking for idols. Yeah. I'm interested in Shane. I think Shane is going to be one of the reasons that this tribe is a disaster. I think it's, yeah. He ruled, right. he ruled Utara with an iron fist. I don't know if the returnees will allow him the same, him and Marion to have like the, that same leniency, but he might still try. All right. Let's finish off here with definitely the biggest X factor here. Shannon, I'm throwing it to you because admittedly, I have not seen this guy's season yet. Tell me what you know about Tajian. I've watched five episodes of his season and I interviewed him. Like he's definitely ahead of the curve strategically. He's like leading the Alliance so far. We're all on this journey together. I really had intended to watch more for now, but yeah, he's getting stuff done. I'm definitely rooting for his group, but I'm also solely watching the season for him. So that makes him my you know prime focus in watching the season. In the interview, I will say he is way more connected to the survivor community than you may think for someone who played a long, long time ago. He has played in a lot of ORGs and LRGs. He oh. talks about it a lot. Um, so wow. that was like he was like talking about that experience almost as like as relevant and in some ways like 
maybe it is or more like compared to what Survivor, especially like pre-reboot Survivor SA was then. Like, you know, that's a lot of the experience that he's taking. So I really, really enjoyed my interview with Tejan. Obviously, I hadn't seen anything of him at the time. I didn't know what I was going to get. I came around being like, yeah, he's a really nice guy who seems really tapped into the show. And I'm interested in what he can do. First off, he looks by far the most jacked out of this entire cast. Yeah. Uh, Is he the jacked on season four? I'm going to have to check when I watch it again. Which more. Well, I mean, to that point, though, we'll see what this body looks like in like 39 days. Right. I do kind of fear for what happens with him going on. Yeah. Without like not a lot of fat on him that as we saw with someone like Chappies, like that might hurt the biggest guys. But I'm really excited by Tajan. From what I hear, it seems like he was to your point, like a bit of a ringleader, another guy who like fashions himself a villain someone who's willing to take charge. I'll be intrigued to see if he steps back. That is super fascinating about the ORG and LRG stuff. Cause I would say that's like a good, not the best way, but like a pretty good way to prep for the fast plays gameplay that a modern survivor right might have. This is not like, unfortunately an Ethan Zahn in winners at war situation where he's like, I don't know what's going on. There are so many conversations happening at once. I don't know who to trust. Seems like Tation might be ready to like throw in from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to speak from I, like it, may, it means he knows also some people in the cast. Like, definitely, I think Tony was someone he's played with. So he's like, not as like, oh my God, he's the only person from his whole season and there's four to five players from the other seasons. Like, he's somewhat connected. And maybe also like, he's going to be strong. He's kind of a little bit unknowable when there's like clear other obvious targets. Like, I don't hate his position here. Like, I don't think anyone's going to target him first because I can't imagine no. everyone else from this tribe getting together and being like, all of us against him because that's just not the vibe that this tribe is going to have. I think he's yeah, the in a only good thing, spot. I'll let you know how his season goes. Yeah, the only thing I could think is like if he does do something to put himself out early on as an easy target, it could be a, a ceasefire where everyone like puts down arms and says, okay, nobody has a connection to these guys. It's not going to tick anyone else off if we get he rid of does. Him. Oh, I guess that's true. Uh, I don't know exactly. We'll have to look up their like ORG history together. To I know. See I guess I'll go watch that next. Yeah, like I thought, I'm like, hey, just go to watch season four and then I'm all prepped for the season. Didn't know that there were all these other ORGs and LRGs that I have to find somewhere. Probably easy to find in the actual Survivor South Africa seasons, though. So I will be checking those things out next in my current pre-season slash off-season from Survivor. Let's finish off with the post-merge women here. And let's start with the aforementioned Marion. So Marion is someone who, as we said, I mean, she was one of like the chizzy leaders throughout the pre-merge of Survivor South Africa, uh, South Africa champions because she went to tribal council so often, like her and Shane really ruled that tribe with an iron fist from the very beginning. And I would say even more than Shane, Marion earned a lot of trust of people. She was one of the people that like was in went on Kill Arnie and then turned on her, was able to like utilize that information to her advantage. We saw scenes of like her teaching Sibu how to swim and bringing him into that alliance, but certainly cutthroat. Obviously, I think one of the biggest things she is known for is that in Survivor South Africa Champions, there was a tribe swap. Uh, Cornet ends up giving the tribe idol over to one of the players, Jenna, on the other tribe because she was in the minority. And Marion just flat out takes the idol. They concoct this entire was a rule that was allowed. Yeah. yeah, where they they lead her away and she steals the idol. And, you know, all is all is fair in love and war. Now, that being said, it is an idol that does her away where the merge happens and Marion and Shane are really public enemies number one and two. Uh, Marion feels like despite her and Shane being targeted, she feels like it's going to be okay. We have David. We're going to like now mount this campaign against Graham. And so she tells Shane at tribal council, hold up, bro. Do not play the idol on me. I'm good. 
She is not good. She nearly does stay due to like some Altoff chaos, but she ends up getting voted out here, becoming the first member of the jury. Yeah. And like in 2013, a woman being that villainous, it was like a woman being villainous in Australia in 2022. Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in regular times, and I guess, yeah, then. So pe- people were mad. People were mad that she was, like, such a clear villain, wasn't ever trying not to be. Um, hopefully the fandom has caught up. She's a huge fan. She's been on the podcast. She's yep. been definitely keeping up with the strategy of it all, even though she played a long time ago. I'm, I'm sure she's in with the community. I'm sure she knows people as well. So I think I think it's a Shane factor. Like, it's a Shane and Marion factor. Like, because like, they're, they're so strong together and there's so much power there in a way that I feel like Dante and Beryl are more kind of neutral. And there's like three Philippines people who they might not be seen as much PK and Tony. I don't think they are as much of a, of a pair. I don't think they'll be seen as much as a pair. I feel like Shane and Marion are either going to like draw in all the power or like alienate everyone. Um, and they'll do it together. So it's one, it's like all or nothing basically for them as a pair. I feel. So Marion uh, also has probably one of the most changed looks people that are watching the video might see and it's really interesting uh marion told me in her interview survivors saved her life ironically enough and it's also it's actually like in response to the response that she got where after her season uh obviously she received a lot of hate even back during 2014 where survivor social media was more nation and then she was also diagnosed with vitiligo which is a, a skin condition that you know you you see currently and she was in a very very dark place and what got her through was she binge-watched a bunch of seasons of Survivor. And I am so fascinated by this, even to this day, that like for someone who had such a complicated portrayal on the show and could understandably be like, F that show, they said I was a villain, people hated me for it. For her to then find comfort in the show, in her lowest point in life, is a really intriguing idea. So yeah, to your point, despite her portrayal, or maybe in spite of it, like she loves the show, she has been talking about it, all the time for those that might know she is like one of the most biggest boston rob stands that i know and so she is really game to play and who knows if she's here to like prove that she's not a villain or maybe she'll just say like f it i'm gonna dig in further if they call me a villain i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing but marion has an incredibly rich and complicated history with the show even since she's been playing yeah so i'm fascinated to see marion i'm happy for her like as a friend um, as someone that we've had on the podcast and she like really was with us through that champion's journey like we were definitely rooting for her so we'll see again like to have Marion back and to have her back with Shane it's a big focal point for me like if that's not a big part of the dynamics Marion and Shane together I would be shocked all right next up we have Meryl so we mentioned her before uh, Meryl is part of this Ta'alo tribe that just keeps bringing the she's in Ta'alo here. purple yeah yeah so Meryl was somebody who you know uh was I think she was like a spin instructor at the time like a pretty big physical asset, but definitely I would say more of the strategic to Dante's brawn, as mentioned before. Probably the thing I remember her most for is that she ends up finding an idol during the uh, the, the biostrap reward. Yeah. yeah, but then that was sort a great of like, day. but then sort of like feels guilty or feels like much like show us uh, much like you know uh, Teresa that like or uh, sorry Dino that like she for some reason feels like people saw it and so like when the swap happens she's like oh I'm gonna admit something I found the idol. And so essentially, like, she's kind of forced to play it right before the Merge Tribal Council, which she definitely could have used because once the Merge Tribal Council happened, basically Rob is able to help, you know, cobble together, like, the Amigos plus the, the Swap Spit 7 or whatever that alliance was. And Meryl <laughs> was one of the very few people on the outs. They find her, they found her very threatening. And this is yet another first juror that we're talking about. 
Yeah, Meryl's so interesting because she's a post-merger, but she's went on a third tribal council. So definitely some pre-mergers have played more Survivor than she has. Like they were winning a lot because she was with Dante. But yeah. I'm interested to see because I feel like she has a lot of like really good skills for the game. Like she's social, nice, she's smart, she's not super threatening. I think she's kind of got it all. But I also feel like we didn't see that much of it in what is, you know, from the post-merge tribe. Yeah, I I think Meryl is somebody who I'm really excited to see for various reasons. One of the things that she talked about with me is that she felt like in her first season, she had a little bit of like too much of a, a, a pick me type of nature. She called herself like a theater kid. And so I think a lot of it was like giving herself the spotlight. I mean, listen, I know that Dante was he quoted Hamilton in her bio. I remember it still. Yeah. And so maybe she yeah. considered herself like the the mouthier uh, of uh, you know Dante was pretty mouthy but like she was someone that certainly had comments I remember her doing like a lot of eye rolling on the jury she says this time around she's going to embrace her more introverted nature I'm really intrigued to see how she goes on this tribe where like I do think actually she is one of those people that could stick to that pregame promise like you know decide to be a little bit more in the shadows let the other big players go for each other take each other out set themselves up for failure and then she's able to be someone that kind of like swoops through and is able to to succeed on that yeah she's definitely an interesting one meryl i have my eye on her and i don't see how she's going early i think she's long for the game all right next up the queen has returned here is palessa definitely one of the breakout characters from that breakout season of survivor south africa uh palessa did it all Right. She was one of the people that was able to she was actually on Seamus's side in that very first vote during her blind side, was able to help flip Ace back to her side to force that rock draw uh, in episode two. And then pretty much from then on, it was just absolute mayhem. Uh, She constantly fought with Tom, the eventual winner, uh, especially on the tribes that they spent the entire time together, actually, whether it be on the swap tribe or on the post merge tribe. But, like, it was one of the greatest rivalries I had seen. It, like, had some frenemy aspects. And, like, in the episode where she gets voted out, right, she takes him on a reward. They share a bet together. She ends up voting for him in the very end because of the respect he has. She does end up uh, finding an idol and ends up playing it. Well, as a couple of idols. Yeah. yeah she, and so she finds one, ends up playing it as part of the island train, uh, the idol train, which I think does end up protecting her as well. No, she's on the outs finds another idol and says, okay, Tom, I trust you now. You tell me if I need to play my idol tonight. He's like, loud and clear. Gotcha. Doesn't say anything. Like it's uh, an FBI man stepping on his foot saying, hello, Mr. Thompson. And she ends up getting voted out tragically with an idol in eighth place. Yeah. I mean, what a duo in in Tom and Palessa. I feel like Chappies and Palessa are like easily the biggest names on this cast. Like, I feel like there's a wide gap between them and anyone else if you just look at like placement and then also maybe maybe this isn't true of the cast but definitely from like the fandom's perspective like we watched SA5 and we love it but I feel like the rebooted seasons definitely get more attention we cover them at the time mm-hmm. you know they've been airing in the last few years and not like a long 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 time ago so if you look at like six seven and eight and then like placement and character Palessa and Chappies are I think the clear biggest shining lights like the two that you might call most for like all stars if it wasn't this theme so that's a little bit concerning for Palessa. I think that I don't think that the the target's as big on her, but she's going to stand out because she is the queen, and she's only become more of the queen since her season, where Adam Klein talked about the Palessa idol. Didn't make the edit that he called it that on Winners at War, but when he went and tried to get it from the podium as Palessa did, 
Um, that, that was going a little bit viral on social media. Like, I feel like Palesa is a well-known name in Survivor South Africa. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully she does well because obviously she's a fan favorite. She's a huge character, but she's always going to have that target on her back. I think it will be hard to make it to the end knowing, like, what a big fish she is on this cast. But that being said, I'm happy to see this fish no matter what capacity she might exist in. Palesa is aware of some of the mistakes that she made. Uh, despite the big game that she played, I guess much like PK, she did not really know any Survivor when she came in. Uh, and so she really wants to focus this time around on like, okay, now that I know a bit more about the show, she's been on with us a few times. She has some knowledge under her belt that hopefully she can utilize. One of the big things that she came in with was like, she felt she was too emotionally responsive to a lot of stuff. Again, go back to that Tom stuff where like she and him were just constantly arguing with each other. She at least coming in really wants to play that game of like keeping her emotions in check, you know, trying to play more of like a, a heady game than maybe a game with her heart. Again, we'll see how long that lasts, but I'm at least appreciative of the fact that she like understands some of those flaws. And I do wonder if just adding game knowledge onto what she was able to bring is the perfect formula. Yeah. Interested to see it. All right, let's move on to Steffi. Like you said, the highest placing woman and highest placing person next to Chappies of this cast. So Steffi was part of this seemingly unbreakable, unshakable alliance in the very beginning of the game called the Amigos, which she rode to the very end uh, to the point where maybe she was a bit dismissive towards people, maybe a bit emotionally abusive towards people. <laughs> I would say definitely one of the bigger villains but sort of the the coach-esque villains right of saying like no we're playing the good and honest game we're the good people we have to get rid of the bad people which certainly earn the ire of social media around the final six uh she ends up getting a visit from one of her loved ones on island of secrets who tells her like wow this rob guy sounds really powerful you should turn on him and she says yeah you know what maybe i should and so she attempts to organize this coup against rob which ends up getting foiled you know when he wins immunity but he catches wise to it, courtesy of Nicole, one of her closest allies. And he organizes this like pseudo Suri thing, right? Where like Nicole, uh, like an idol gets played on Letitia, an idol gets played on Doral. Stephanie sort of gets, gets voted out by consensus with Nicole curtly telling her, you betrayed the amigos. She does end up voting for Nicole in the end. But I would say Stephanie, Stephanie definitely one of the most fiery personalities on a tribe with a lot of fiery personalities. Yeah, Steffi has not a lot of chill. They definitely need her strength. I mean, I think this tribe could win a lot. That's the thing is, I feel like we could kind of see the uh, chaos festa, you know, in a way because like they have a lot of really strong people. I mean, just having like Dante, Steffi, and Chappies on the same tribe physically is pretty legit. And Tajan, like Tajan, looks also pretty good. So I feel like from a strength perspective, they're in a good spot. But yeah, I mean, Steffi was hardcore. I definitely, I definitely feel like. You know, the challenges were a big part of what she wanted to do. I think the there was that antisocial aspect to a degree where she just at the merge was like, mm, I'd rather go to Island of Secrets. And I think that that was a big reason that Immunity Island was the, the theme that we got where it was like, do you want to stay um, mm. and like be by yourself with, with an advantage or do you want to go back and vote? And I remember we had that podcast where I'm like, no, you don't miss the merge vote, but she didn't even get an advantage at the Island of Secrets. She was just going to chill. She was immune anyway. There was nothing anyway. That's the kind of game that Steffi's trying to play. And her exit is like one of the most iconic moments of that season where the Amigos get portrayed. She was definitely part of the power group, but it was in a very strong game as led as well by Rob, who was doing a lot. So like, how is she doing without that? I'm not sure if this is going to be like 
kind of kind of a cut up game with a lot of super fans. I think it might outpace her, but I definitely think they need her early. So I'm, I'm interested to see. There's so many big personalities on the stripe. There is like not a small personality to be seen. Yeah, the interesting thing about Steffi is that she struggled to lie in her first season. Uh, you know, she says in my interview with her that like she actually struggled a lot at tribal councils where, you know, Nico's asking these questions and she's, she doesn't necessarily know how to hit that middle thing of like, I don't want to give away what's happening just in case. But like at the same time, I don't want to necessarily completely come up with a fabrication. And so there were a couple times where she like honestly really dropped the ball at tribal council. And I'll be intrigued to see, is she able to, to change that element of her? To your point, she goes out targeting the biggest player of the season, if not one of the biggest players in the franchise's entire history in Rob Bentele. Is she going to come and going headhunting again? Is she going to become more wary of working with those people, considering that they were the ones to snipe her at the very end and possibly take a, a, her own bit of peak chaos and say, okay, bring chaos, if you will, and think, okay, I may be working with you now, but like, I can't let you get anywhere near the end. I got to get you before you get me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm interested to see the interview. I don't know if there was any like learnings around kind of even the reaction to a lot of the stuff that the Amigos was, were, were doing. Like that season was emotionally, it was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Was there development there? I'm not sure. Obviously, we'll, we'll hear about it. But yeah, I mean, that season kind of was like going into a cult and emerging from it. So like, how does someone get out of that and then come back to Survivor and play their own game? I think that that is like also something to look out for with Steffi. Yeah, we'll see how much going clear she did. Well, it's clear we're finishing here. Let's finish off with Tony, uh, our final cast member here. Seventh place in season six. So Tony is someone else who was very outspoken. Uh, she did find herself like in a pretty good place early on. Like she was getting along with nearly everybody, you know, was in a very safe place with basically everyone on her tribes, even in like that smaller swap tribe that kept getting winnowed down. She was close with PK. She was close with Josie. She was close with Kevin. Like Tony was maybe in the best position out of a lot of people in the cast. Then we get to the merge and she thinks she is close with Werner. But Werner says, Tony's too volatile. She's too out of control. That's someone I can't manage. She has to go. And so Tony is kind of like strung along to a certain extent. As you see, you know, a lot of the Visayas people get voted out. As you see, Palesa get voted out. It turns out that Tony realizes much too late, oh no, I'm on the outside. And she has a lot of vitriol against Werner uh, as both on the way out and on the jury. Granted, that doesn't really come to fruition because Werner gets voted out as well. But we talked about Tony temper for a reason. And I will be intrigued to see if the temper ends up firing up back again this season. Yeah, and Tony's a big fan um, as well. He's definitely kept up with the show. She's definitely a big part of like the social Survivor South Africa community where I think a lot of, at least some of these players are involved in. So I think she has connections. As we know, she knows Tajan. So from, from the ORGs and she's like, who's playing, yeah, like online games when we were watching. So that's a big part as well. I don't feel like I've got a, or getting a sense that the game changed much from, from season six or, or will change much. Um, I don't know. In your interview, did you get a sense that she was like, I have a lot of things I'm trying to fix? Or do you think that she was like, circumstance, harmed me and i'm gonna play much the same way like i I don't i don't know how you saw it yeah it's a little bit of both right because i think she definitely mentioned tony temper and how she's in a better place in general her world got pretty rocked where she was married going to season six she is now divorced Uh, and i think 
there was a lot of her life in these intervening years that was a little bit like piecing things back together of, okay, my world just got rocked. Uh, now how do I sort of like rebuild my life? And I think that gave her a lot of confidence and also just a new perspective into things. And so I think going into the season, she's coming in with that new perspective or like, she is certainly full of life for anyone that has watched her host or play in any of these ORGs. Like she is certainly still OTT. She is certainly a hardcore player. So I don't think that competitive aspect has left her, but I will be intrigued to see if that edges off, right? If she is at least going to enter, enter with like a more of a softness to her, especially coming in with someone like PK, there's a little bit less, you know, danger and anxiety involved of like, okay, I at least know someone on this tribe i can at least rely on one person albeit it's pk but it's a familiar <laughs> face in comparison to like all the other unknowns going on i think tony's in a, a good place to start you just wonder as we talk about with actually a lot of post-merge players like again how much can a tiger change its stripes in the malnutrition in the grading personalities will that tony temper come out again also when you're aligned with pk is when he votes you out so again, it's concerning for me. Like, I'm like, oh, maybe the season six people will be in a good spot and that they'll like really be each other's rock. And then I like heard that back in my head and I was like, yeah, this, this whole well, cast is going to be chaos. You said season six and rock and we know how well those two go together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like the rock that and that only Palesa picked from this cast. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, because she was the only she's the only yeah. uh, Luzon yeah. member. To well, no, Seamus was there. He was just gone already. <laughs> Seamus got out of it before they even went to rocks. But yeah, it, it's 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 going to be wild because all of the seasons are chaos, you know, in, in, yeah. in a lot of their own way. And a lot of those players were picked. So it's hard not to see how this isn't going to be like some explosion of personalities that will be wild for us to cover. <laughs> I am so excited for this. Even just like this little aperitif has gotten my taste buds of firing. Of course, we're going to have so much more. So again, uh, on June 10th, so this coming Friday, it's going to be our first one. I think we are doing the pre-merge women, I believe, is where we're starting. Uh, then the next week is going to be pre-merge men. Week after post-merge women and the week after post-merge men, we're doing... Give me a lot of time to watch season four. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're doing five at a time. Uh, we're going to be stopping down, listening to them, talking through even more of our thoughts about these people and how we think they might do. So the lead up has officially started, Shannon, and I could not be more excited. I know we are over two hours at this point in the podcast. Yeah. But like, we got to get used to this life because especially with those mega recaps, we're going to be talking about some really exciting Survivor South Africa stuff. Yeah, this was meant to be like a quick kickoff, a quick off, if you will. But instead... <laughs> It was a mega kickoff because everything in the season is mega. So like even us just introducing the season and introducing our coverage well, are definitely going to be some very long interview podcasts. There's five on each one. And they were like, they were not short interviews. Like even in doing them, I'm like, this is going to be a long podcast because we do have to stop down and talk about it. And there's some wild stuff happening in those interviews. Definitely for me, I'm excited to hear yours. So yes, our quick off is now at over two hours. Thank you everyone for staying with it. If you, if you got hella spoiled, well, that's really on you because we, we gave you about a hundred opportunities to leave and you did not. And if you've just woken up because it's morning time now, because we spoke all night, then I'm sorry, but we can't, we can't just, you know, like sometimes people fall asleep to podcast. We can't just accommodate every type of listener. All right. So that being said, uh, you know, we're going to be back in, in a little bit. Uh, I guess we just sort of plug, you know, we just finished off 42 coverage as well, right? I feel like that's still prescient for us to plug considering that it was a week ago that it finished. <laughs> yeah. Check out my finale podcast with Ikai Danza. 
if you're still wanting that 42 content because it is technically the off season. But yeah, Mike, you've always got a lot going on. What have, what have you got going on? Yeah, so the main thing that I have is uh, the B&B that I just finished up with Liana and Ali Lasher. That was another two plus hour podcast, but very, very fun. Also have Exit Press going on with Parade.com. I talked to the final five, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Marianne sang an entire B&B parody song to me as soon as we got on the line together. Uh, and she professed to Rob that she listened to the brand steals to get ready for the season. So like, I, I absolutely loved getting talked to this cast. So <laughs> check that out if you're still in 42 mode. Uh, over on Post Show Recaps, I cannot even list all the things that I'm doing. Uh, Lost, Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Boys. Uh, I'm trying to think of the Stranger Things. There's just so many things going on there. Uh, for reality TV stuff, like if this is if you're tuning out for some reason from now until the season starts, uh, I'll be doing coverage of both Big Brother and The Challenge. I'll be doing some lead up interviews to Big Brother 24 in addition to Exit Press, as well as doing some Exit Press for The Challenge USA as well, all up at Parade.com. So, yeah, the summer is very much heating up for me, and I'm thrilled to add Survivor South Africa onto that pile. I'm excited to keep those exit interview muscles flexing throughout and get to talk to like this fantastic cast and as we'll talk about you know on friday listen back to us talking about the cast all the way back in the beginning of 2022 yeah it is not warming up yeah it's cold so cold all the time but i'm gonna be warmed up with some nice survivor south africa i wanted to ask what do you think marianne got out of the brand deals because she won spoiler for that too waking person because Omar just listened to my game theories podcast my game theory series did i say series i don't know my game I like theory that. series I like that. My get, yeah, and um, he didn't win. So maybe Brand Steels are the way to go. Do you think that she was gaining a lot from that strategically? I mean, Brand Steels can oftentimes translate to Survivor, right? Like we kind of call Survivor, Survivor South Africa Philippines like the Brand Steel yeah. Survivor. Uh, we're just true. like anything can happen. And granted, PK it has nec- voted out Tevin. Like what? No, what? How? <laughs> and it hasn't necessarily translated from like a production perspective but maybe it does prepare you for like or maybe just it's the idea of improv and just like marianne as we saw did a lot of antics at camp down to recreating the disney theme maybe she's just like all right i'm just gonna create some nonsense to really lower my threat level uh brand steals are probably the lowest threat level in terms of podcast if we did an entire brand steal of the podcast in the network against each other and brand steel was in it that's so matter i love it can you do that uh, yeah. I mean, listen, of, that's amazing it could happen. Maybe one day. Uh, I That's a really interesting concept now that I think about it. Yeah, I might have to Survivor Global will win the, the chili because I'm biased. So, yeah, <laughs> that'll be great. But it'll be, it'll be painfully taken out by the brand steel. You'll be like, no, what? There's the no brand steel would be anything. the PK. Yeah, they're in a title line. Yeah. So it's like, no, brand steel is going to vote out Survivor Global just on a whim one day. Yeah, oh, that season was so good. If somehow you made it to the end and you haven't seen the seasons, go, go watch SA6. Not even to know these players, but because it will enrich your life. It enriched ours. It gave me Mike and it gave me SA6. Both of those things that I love. Clear skin guaranteed from watching Survivor SA6. Yeah, it is. It was just just a time. And and they're all good. Like, that's the thing. It's like, these are four at at worst solid seasons. And I'm also five episodes through Tatian season. So I'm doing that too. And there's a cast, you know, a cast back just from that. So you know, it's going to be good. So thank you for listening to this non-quick off, this mega kickoff. Um, hope that you enjoyed it. Follow me at Jenna Gates, not Gus for Mike. It is Sorry. right there for the listeners as well. Should I should I make a burner account for you at Shannon Gus? No, don't take. Well, I think someone had Shannon Gus. It was I, I, I'm the only Shannon Gates in the world spelled like that. But there are other Shannon Gusses, which is one of the reasons I didn't want to to change like my handle. I didn't change anything. I actually never even officially changed my name. I'm very lazy. Should I do one that's Shannon Gus with a bunch of S's and it's just like a picture of a snake? 
So we're back into old school Survivor South Africa coverage because we're already making up fake accounts. At yeah, Survivor Rob, I still follow that account. And it's also like a, it's like a snake parody account where it's all your tweets, but just extended S's. <laughs> if you want to maintain that, that's something you can do. I, I still follow Now May Pointy Stick, which is at Survivor Rob. <laughs> You're still sitting on that. Like, do you know how many accounts I have to follow to do the show? I have to yeah, follow, follow all the sponsors, which are rapidly increasing or changing. Like, I need to be able to unfollow some accounts, Mike. I'm just waiting for the right price point for someone to buy it out from under me. Okay, I'm being a bit of like a Twitter terrorist at this point. So someone wants to take Survivor Rob from me. Otherwise, it's owned by Now May Pointy Stick and his lack of activity. Yeah, you never post on it. No, that's the point. It's not a good follow. It's a waste of follow for me. (laughs) So... Anyway, we'll be making up fake accounts. We'll be doing the bias right out. We'll be giving chizzy points. We'll be doing a lot of things in six weeks. And until then, we will be interviewing players and other definitely not short shenanigans. So that's what we are doing. So thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us, subscribe, all your star ratings as well. Um, any reviews that you can give anything to just like boost the feed because it's going to be a big few months. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Mike, as always. Thank you to Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. And we will see you for the first interview podcast next week. Australian survivor. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.